What's up, guys? This is Roland Buck III. I play Noah Sexton on Chicago Med, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's. Not gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Meet us at Molly's. Hey Ritter, what's your favorite podcast? Meet us at Molly's. <laughs> hey everybody. <laughs> uh, that happened on Wednesday. That was cool. That was so unexpected, but so fun. It, it was. I didn't even catch it the first time. Uh, I didn't catch it until the commercial because our group text like started to blow up. And I was like, they, what? They said it? They said it? And I had to go back and find it. That was cool. Yeah. It's really yeah. Cool. Really cool. Still on the lookout for the word, but that did not suck. So I just, I need to know when the next episode Derek wrote. Because I'm assuming it's going to be in an episode that Derek wrote, right? Which means it's probably the mid-season finale god if it's mid-season i know i know oh man i know so um i hope everybody's doing well we um obviously are covering this week's episodes so episodes seven 707 1007 907 uh look brian and i have been like ripping and raring to go all day you guys know we record this on thursday night and we've just had so many feels just like pent up we're just like let's go like well and i feel like the rewatches made it worse like last night i was like because, you know, it's late when they air. So, like, especially PD, I was, like, half awake. I was, like, you know, kind of getting it, whatever. But then I rewatched it today. I was, like, oh, man. I have so many more feels. Um, I pulled a U with regard to one scene that we will cover in that I watched it about 400 times. Um, yeah. That ju- it just, it was, it was, it was an interesting week. By the way, if you had Matt Cooper having a heart attack on your one Chicago <laughs> bingo card, you win for the week. <laughs> yeah. You did not see that coming. Nope. I mean, yeah. Nope. That was, that was something. That was something. Oh gosh. Okay. So <laughs> as, as I know I'm like, I, where, where do we start? Ritter said me to St. Molly's. Uh, we start with the news we always start with the news we start with the news all right so we've got a little bit of news not a ton we had a little bit of a scoop from matt's inside line um jennifer we don't know if this is a jennifer we know but jennifer asked now that now that chicago fire stella is a lieutenant when will we get to see her in action and the answer to that is said derek has told me that we will see miranda back on screen and i quote before the end of this calendar year but whether Stella will be lieutenant on truck 81 now that Casey has left is going to be a hot topic of conversation through this next batch of episodes, whether they're going to hold a spot for her while she's off doing her good work for girls on fire in Boston bonus spoiler for the first time in years, as long as I can remember, this is a Derek quote, we're doing a holiday episode. Episode nine is going to make the Hallmark channel jealous of our holiday episode. Oh, that. All right. All right. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and then in parentheses, it says, as the EP explained, because of the airing schedule this year, episode nine is kind of on an island by itself in December. So we thought, hmm, maybe we could do a holiday episode. And I wrote it. I don't know if I should be excited or scared. I don't know. I mean, I'm excited because obviously typically love a good holiday episode. So... I'm excited on that front. Um, 
but Derek wrote it and it's a mid-season finale so I don't know what that means yeah I think it's gonna be uh what's the what's the candy like first they're sour then they're sweet but like the other way around first it's sweet then it's sour yeah yeah I don't eat sour candy um but it's gonna be the opposite the opposite like way around so first it's sweet then it's sour (sighs) yeah but man don't know I think what we're thinking on the schedule is that uh, if nine finale, which it sure sounds like it is, it sounds like we're going to get eight next week and then what, take two weeks for a hiatus? So according to the press releases, they're definitely showing repeats on the 17th. They're showing episodes one from this season on the 17th. So mm. they're definitely repeats on the 17th. The 24th is the day before <laughs> Thanksgiving, so right. they're definitely not airing new episodes. Although a lot of things are coming out on the 24th, but not one Chicago. Like Hawkeye, um, I think Saved by the Bell comes back that day. There's something else oh, that yeah. comes that air Anyway, lots of other stuff happening that day. And then, so I would assume that we're either getting this episode, episode 9, the 1st or the 8th. Like, I doubt they're going any later than the 1st or the 8th. I don't want to seem ungrateful, but I don't want the mid-season finales as a birthday present. Can it be the first? Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't want them as a belated birthday present because mid-season finales in the past. They're, yeah, yeah, they're traumatic. Well, and, not, and they, yeah, they're dramatic. Yeah. They're dramatic. Last year doesn't really count because obviously it was just episode two, but season seven, I was not okay. It was not okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. I didn't even so. think about that, but yeah. Yeah. No, it was a rough night. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed for the first. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, in a little bit of happy news, we did see a tweet this week from like the U.S. Immigration Service or something. Jesse Spencer is a U.S. citizen. Congratulations to Jesse. I love that of all things that tweeted, like it came from them. Like it was just so random. And I was mm. like, oh, okay cool yeah good for him it's exciting so yeah um, it's, it's really cool yeah and if you've seen the picture um his, his wife is expecting so um yeah he's about to be a dad and he's a new u.s citizen so congratulations to jesse yeah and again i love that it's just u.s immigration that I mean, it was kind of a rumor going around that that was why he left the show. And, you know, it was kind of a rumor floating around. But mm-hmm. I love that of all people, U.S. immigration's the one that, like, <laughs> yeah. confirmed the rumor. Yeah, that was funny. I mean, you, you know, uh, like, when you've got one Chicago friends, like, across the fandom, across the country, you're always sending each other tweets and texts and everything. And I, like, woke up that morning to a tweet, and you had sent me something, and all it shows up is this link. It's like, you know, so-and-so on Twitter. And then it was, like, USCIS on Twitter. I was like, the fuck is she sending me? <laughs> and then I was like, oh, well, that that's happy. Okay. Good for him. Yay. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, n- there wasn't a ton of news this week. Um, there was the other article about like Brett Dalton coming to fire, but you know, if you're in this fandom, you've known that for weeks. Also, yeah. if you've seen these episodes, you know that now. So I laughed so hard when TV line put out that tweet and it was like confirmed. And we were like, yeah, but we've known for like a month now, where have you been? Well, and I love how even to like in the article ex- itself, they acknowledge the fact they're like fans have noticed in photos and it's like, well, duh like yeah like you need 
better reporters tv line like hire the fandom we can get you any scoop you want <laughs> like yeah geez. just pay attention to filming it's not that hard yeah yeah so <laughs> um yeah but there wasn't a ton of news just you know this so um as always if you guys see anything please send it to us you're really good about that we really appreciate it um really helps us not have to be in like 59 places at once so that's nice brenna i'm so enthralled by this christmas movie happening over your shoulder right now what movie is that um it's i think it's a new it's janelle Parrish and oh and uh, ryan pavey that's king and creek christmas and i only know that because it's on our dvr okay yeah i don't think that's what it was the info said it was called is it oh maybe she's been what it's a, called she had a new one come out this last weekend with ryan pavey and ryan pavey's a dreamboat by the way um yes he is yeah um and that's why it's on the dvr because i was like ryan pavey Ooh, no I swear- it's coyote creek christmas yeah it was close is treat williams in it because i swear i saw him a second ago i don't know no idea Okay. I gotta, I, I didn't, I missed the ones from this past weekend. So I gotta catch up. Um, by the way, I watched, well, I, I texted you that I watched a Christmas promise. So with Tori, um, we got to save all of this for the Christmas episode. Damn it. Damn it. Okay. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. If we do get the mid season finales on the first might be a good idea to do that Christmas episode with Emily on the eighth. Yeah. We'll have to just wait for her schedule to kind of confirm that, but true story, true story. So uh, no patron shout outs this week. That's okay. You know, if you guys want to support the pod for as little as $2 a month, head to the link in our socials, lots of cool stuff. Um, the minute we go on hiatus, I've got ideas for all sorts of fun stuff we're going to do with the patrons. So, uh, I've got a nice little community growing up like 60 something patrons, something, it's something it's fun. We've got a little big little family growing on the Facebooks. Uh, it's nice. It's nice. So definitely check that out. Yeah. All right. So uh without further ado it's time to move into the episode shall we let's do it i i know we're like speeding through the news but i'm like chomping at the bit i'm like let's roll so let's okay, do it let me scroll down in the outline here because i want to be selfish and be the one to talk about will so i just got to see if like you should start or i should start so we like it ends up that way <laughs> um i think see. you need to start do i need to start okay so if you talk about yeah. vanessa then I talk about Ethan. And then you talk you about need to start. I need to start. Okay. Okay, cool. I will do that. <gasps> William. Okay, cool. Just don't judge me. I get to do that this week. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> you love me, I think. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. Okay. I'm just like ready. Like, I- I'm ready. I'm just like, I have-, I have thoughts on like every single episode. Okay. So let's start off with Stevie. Stevie. So in case you forgot last week, Stevie had her mom's van towed. Her mom was a patient at the ED. She was not happy about it. Stevie got her mom's van towed so that basically she would have to stay with her. So Stevie's mom is staying and it's pretty noticeable. Like she's happy. She's healthy. She's, you know, doing crossword puzzles. She's, you know, she's healthy. She's good. Um, Stevie's apartment is a mess though a mess and uh poor stevie she's just like oh yeah the roommate situation is like not too great but her mom makes this one comment about like she's like oh i've only worked for that like anonymous jerk who had my van towed Ooh, awkward like awkward awkward turtle yeah, yeah awkward so stevie leaves for work cool dylan and stevie they are paired together this week which like i like it i like it i like this friendship 
weren't they Whatever. paired together in the premiere too mm-hmm. yeah i like it we'll take it yeah yeah so they get a father and son who were in a car accident um before we even get into the weeds with this one, I just want to take a second to appreciate Doris's hair this week. Those curls were flawless. Did you notice that? Yeah, it was on point. It was on point. When they bring them in, like Doris is just like moving around and everything. And her hair is just like, whoosh, whoosh. It's like perfect. I was like, damn, share your routine, Doris. My goodness. Yeah. Um, also, I feel like before we really, really get into it, I feel like we need to acknowledge the fact that the kid in this case was once upon a time JJ on Chicago Fire. Yes. Oh my God. Which is like just like a cool little, you know, throwback. Um, I obviously wouldn't have recognized him. I didn't recognize him until I saw some people tweet about it last night. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Our listeners have good eyes. Like we would not have spotted that. So sweet little JJ. No. Oh. TBT to JJ and pouch. What a time. What a time. What a time indeed. So um, the son is like super worried, right? Because I mean, his dad, he's even says that he's like, my dad is all I have. So you can just see the look on Stevie's face. Like she's feeling this one. She's like, all right, like this is talking to me. Got it. So we get finally get our first scene with the newbies and Dr. Abrams. And it's pretty much everything I imagined and more. I feel like they don't at first they don't know what to expect from dr abrams and they're just like thrown into the wild and it's like listen nobody gave you guys a crash course in dr abrams but like this is pretty normal oh my gosh i love like dylan suggested something i don't even remember what he said and dr abrams is like well it's good to know i have your approval and you see his face just be like what <laughs> like, oh don't take it personally dylan like <laughs> poor baby it's not you it's him (laughs) it's him it's him and believe it or not this is him on a good day (laughs) yeah oh that was perfect just perfect and I really would not have had that any other way like I I don't think I would have wanted them to be warned like hey Dr. Abrams is a little grumpy no that was perfect like I don't know if I would want Dr. Abrams around all the time just because I feel like that kind of personality would get annoying after like if I saw it week after week but when he's just in here for like little spurts here and there like you know couple times a season it's like mwah, chef's kiss yeah, it's so it's, good it's perfect i i know for sure he would annoy the crap out of me like i would enjoy hearing him snipe at my coworkers, but the minute he sniped at me i would probably take it personally and go cry um or like have enough yeah. of it and be like you can talk to them however you want don't fucking talk to me like that um uh, yeah that's just art he should come on the podcast sometime oh that would be so fun it would be fun. It would. Like midway through the interview, we're just like, you're not grumpy. That's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So after the first round of tests and surgery and everything, we find out the dad's pretty much paralyzed. Like this, his spine is like, they basically need to like do something to his spinal cord, but they can't because like the vertebra in his back are like all fucked up because of the accident. And the dad or the, the son is like, I know my dad, like, we've got to do something else. This is not going to fly. And Dylan and Abrams are like, we're so sorry. Like, this is the only option. And Stevie goes like full Will Halstead and just is like, we could do this extremely dangerous rare procedure. Or maybe not full <laughs> Will Halstead, like full Connor Rhodes. 
No, I think it was more Will Hulse. I, it, well, it was maybe a combination of both. I tweeted last night because I was tweeting the med portion, and I was like, what med school did she and Will go to again? Like, was there a course in, like, uh, you know, suggesting dangerous procedures 101? Like, is that something they learned in school? Like, <laughs> was it something in the water at their med school in New York? Like, <laughs> yeah, what? for real, though. Yeah, like, how, how, how were they taught at this med school? I have questions. <laughs> so many questions so many questions and yeah so stevie's like we could do a laminectomy and it would solve all the problems and dylan's like wait but it's also really dangerous like the success rate is really low and your dad could die and so dylan's like hey stevie like can we can we can we chat can we talk like real fast just real fast I honestly love though how just like straight by I don't I don't want to say by the book that's I don't think that's the right phrase I'm looking for here but like how straight by the book Dylan is about his approach to medicine like Dylan would never have considered doing this even though he cares about his patients Dylan I think would have never considered going against you know Abrams or the higher ups you know yeah even if it was for the good of the patient I don't think Dylan would ever and I just I the contrast in their approaches to medicine are really interesting. Yeah. And that's interesting. You say that. Cause I, I, the way I would sum it up is that like Dylan plays it safe, but then I try to think if this was the kid in this situation and the kid was going to be paralyzed, like would Dylan suggest that kind of risky procedure? I don't know. I don't, I, maybe we just haven't seen enough. I mean, I know it's been seven episodes, but it's still only been seven episodes. Like, I've, maybe we just haven't gotten a grasp yet, really. Because mm-hmm. all of Dylan's cases so far, ex- with the exception of last week, where he, um, you know, suspected child abuse and it wasn't child abuse, mm-hmm. um, have been pretty straight by the book. And, like, nothing crazy and nothing where we kind of get to see what Dylan would do in a, like you know, life or life or death situation when it comes to his patients. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. It's just food for thought. And, um, when we chatted with guy, remember he had said episode eight was a big one for Dylan. Um, yeah. So yeah. And it doesn't even show that in the promo for next week. No, but I mean, we, in a way we got screwed by the PD promo for last week, like going into this week, we got screwed. So I think, uh, they might do the same thing and just kind of not touch on it but then like surprise big dylan episode i mean that's true but yeah still so i don't know i don't know so then we get to a point where we find out dad might not be paralyzed what Mm -hmm. so stevie's like poking around and doing something and his leg moves and so Stevie's like, wait, did you see that? Like, this just happened. He might not be paralyzed. And the, I did like how Dylan had her back, like, immediately. Dylan at first was just like, wait, like, are you sure about that? And then he saw it. And so, like, the minute Abrams walked in, they were a united front. Like. Because Dylan is the best. He's the best. He is, like, the perfect fit into this one Chicago family. Perfect. I mean, it's, yeah. It's, like, kind of crazy how well he fits in and just I mean yeah it's it's yeah just I it's hard to even fathom that he's only been here seven episodes like it already feels like he's been here for seasons right yeah right it's crazy it's so crazy like yeah when you when you said a minute ago you were like seven I'm like it oh yeah it has only been seven episodes I feel like I've known him for like years now damn Hmm. So Abrams very reluctantly is like, fine, I guess we'll do the laminectomy. Like, mm. um, and it turns out the dad's not paralyzed. Not paralyzed. That's good. 
It's great. Mm-hmm. So then later on in the doctor's lounge, uh, Stevie actually opens up to Dylan about the fact that like, she really wasn't sure if she made the right call in that case. And she just kind of explained, she was like, you know, like the 15 year old I was fighting for today, it was me. Like I was EJ's age when I started to take care of my mom and it took so much out of me and it still does. Um, and Dylan being perfect, wonderful Dylan, like his response is perfect. And he's just like, well, if you ever want to have a drink and go talk about it, like, let me know. Perfect. Also, I realized last night, neither one of them have been to Molly's yet. And I feel like I need a scene to fix that ASAP. Yes. We need to fix that. I, I, yes. Yes. I need them to be at Molly's at some Mm -hmm. point. Yep. As soon as possible. As soon as possible, please. And thank you. (laughs) Yep. So then Stevie goes home to her mom and she actually comes clean about the van, uh, which I was, I was surprised about that. She came clean so quickly. I was like, Oh, good for you, girl. Like, good job. Yeah. I was surprised. I really thought it would be like, if not a couple episodes, like maybe never, but like, Mm -hmm. I didn't think she was going to come clean this soon. It was definitely, even though it wasn't the result she wanted, I think it was definitely the right move. Yeah, and she didn't beat her on the bush either. She just got right to the point and was like, I had the van towed. Like, that's simple. Uh, and her mom did not take it well, like, at all. At all. No. Just smashing dishes and plates and everything. And then she just leaves. I, poor Stevie. She's just, like, grasping at straws for some control. And, you know, it's just not happening. So Yeah, but no, definitely the right move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I would take more of Dylan and Stevie working together. Yeah, I like this partnership. Yeah, it's it's very similar to like kind of Will and Maggie, but like not really because like Dylan kind of keeps her in check and like makes her better. Kind of similar to Will and Maggie. Yeah. So, so far so good. I liked it. Um, Also, can we please mention the promo about how we're going to get some like Will and Stevie comfort next week? Yeah, I don't know what that's about. But I'm assuming her mom disappears. Mom related, yeah. Um, but yeah, it looks good. I bet a Will Halstead hug feels like a really nice warm blanket. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You are such Will Halstead trash. It's oh, ridiculous. I'm absolute Will Halstead trash. No, I'm totally Will Halstead trash. And I've said it before that, like, if and when we have Nick back on the podcast, I really hope he doesn't listen to recent episodes because he's going to be like. I can't. This is awkward. Like, this is really awkward. And I'm just going to be like, you know what? That's completely fair. <laughs> that is completely fair, sir. Oh, goodness. Okay. So we did get some listener thoughts on this one. Jess B said, I am all the way here for Stevie and Dylan being friends. I like that he was firm with her from his position, but was also willing to give her a little bit of freedom to see if she was right about the patient. And Sam, as always, is hilarious. Bring him back more often, please. The final scene with Stevie's mom was really heartbreaking, but I'm glad it can't, I'm glad it all came out now instead of dragging on as this big secret for too long. True story. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I'm with you on the Abrams thing though. Like it's wonderful to have him around, but small doses. Yeah. Like I just think it wouldn't pack as much of a punch if Mm -hmm. he like came around more often, but like the fact that we only get him maybe three or four times a season, I mean, sometimes more, sometimes less, but like in a normal season, I'd say it's probably what, like three or four times. And I feel like that's just the right amount of Abrams. Yeah. So yeah. Yep. Take us through Vanessa, please. Oh, man. Vanessa, Vanessa, Vanessa. 
what are we going to do with you? Okay. So we start off and Vanessa and Maggie are actually like hanging out and getting coffee. And I was like, wait a second, what like ulterior or like alternate universe have we entered? Right. I I was not expecting that. And I was like, oh, and like they're laughing and they're having a conversation like, whoa, I was like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Um, But then it call kind of gets interrupted because some random nurse like runs into them and is like oh have anyone told you you guys look so similar you could be sisters and so Vanessa of course starts freaking about about whether or not Maggie's told anyone and of course then Maggie comes clean about the fact that Sharon knows and Dr. Charles and honestly I forgot that Dr. Charles knew I was like oh it's just Sharon she's like no Dr. Charles and I was like oh Oh, right yeah I forgot too I forgot too um but yeah so Vanessa is like kind of mad not mad super mad at maggie but she's definitely annoyed about the fact that like she thought you know nobody knew and now people at the hospital know her secret she does go zero to 60 pretty fast yeah so while this you know she immediately pretty much gets a patient and her patient is this girl named astrid who's 20 or 21 years old and has these hallucinations and her parents come in and they're like, you know, this has been happening for the last kind of six months. Um, and they're like, we actually want her on a psych hold just because, you know, we're worried about what could happen. But like, we think given our history for the last couple months that, you know, putting her on a psych hold is best. Dude, this actually so- happened to a girl I went to college with. Really? Um, yeah. Like, cause like the onset of the, at first they thought it was schizophrenia when she like came in and the, the, the onset of schizophrenia and women is like late teens, like around that age. Um, and it happened to a girl I went to college with, like, I just, just like at orientation, we all met her and like, she was wonderful. And then as the semester went on, like you could just tell the decline had happened and it was, yeah, it's crazy. I don't know. But it wasn't her, schizophrenia. Though. I think it was schizophrenia for her. Um, but yeah, something very similar. I was just like, like, yeah. And so I can see why Vanessa, like the minute the parents were like, we want her committed. And Vanessa was like, oh God, like, no, no, I can see why. I mean, yeah. Yeah. But so Vanessa makes it her life's mission to figure out what's wrong with her. And she starts running every test possible, physical, MRIs, neuro. I mean, like you name it, Vanessa's running the test. Mm -hmm. And so she's being super diligent. And Dr. Charles is working on this case with her, of course. And finally, I mean, it takes a while, but finally Dr. Charles just like hits his limit with her and is like, okay, you've got to stop. Okay, wait, look, Vanessa, this young lady, she's been through a traumatic event, right? She's in a vulnerable place. And now we spent the last couple hours sliding her in and out of metal tubes, sticking big needles in her back. Her parents are talking about having her committed. I just want to make sure that this diagnosis is correct. And I applaud your drive in trying to figure out what's going on here. But I also would encourage you to think of her as, I don't know, more as a human being and less maybe as a test you're going to get graded on. I mean, I think it's it's just important to strike a balance there. Okay? Yeah. I don't think, I, I, I don't remember him ever being this firm with another doctor. Like, Dr. Charles is usually so chill and, like, explains things rationally and everything. But, like, you could tell he was a little annoyed. I don't even think it's necessarily, I mean, because we all, I mean, and as we kind of see in a second, which we'll talk about, I don't think it's necessarily all the fact that he was so annoyed with her about the way she was approaching Astrid. I think he was, I mean, partially annoyed with her because of the way he was, she was approaching Astrid's, you know, condition, 
but also that he could kind of just start to tell that something's wrong with Vanessa. Yeah. Yeah. His, you know, he, he definitely sensed that pretty quickly. Um, he did talk down to her a little bit in this moment, but also what are you gonna do? Um, I mean, but I wouldn't say it was like totally out of line either. Like they had a conversation, um, that when, you know, they were trying to figure out whether it was anything neuro and they were like, no, you know, it's not or whatever. We decided that. And then she still went and like ran tests Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's like, what what the hell? Like, why did you just go run those tests? We had already kind of ruled out that it was blah, blah, blah. I don't remember specifically, but yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's not totally out of line, but Mm -hmm. Anyway, so of course, then Astrid starts seizing. So then, you know, that's something they weren't expecting. And so they're like, okay, well, we really got to figure it out. So they run more tests and Astrid, as it turns out, is not going crazy. Um, She has some condition called metachromatic leukodystrophy. Oh, good job. Thank you. you. (laughs) Uh, Which basically causes the brain and nervous system to lose function. But seeing as she just started recently seeing her symptoms and, you know, within the last couple of months, it seems like they've caught it early and she should be able to like control it and get it, stop it from getting worse with some meds. So good news on that front. But then Vanessa goes to apologize to Dr. Charles and she says, you know, she's like, I realized that I was projecting my own securities and, you know, yada, yada, yada. And then Dr. Charles just kind of casually brings up the fact he's like, you know, it, what really sucks is like when capable people like yourself feel like they need a little extra help up to keep up. He's like, like caffeine pills or, you know, Adderall or, you know, just straight, uh, you know, pills. And it's just like, he knows. He didn't like say specifically, I think you're doing drugs, but he, he knows he wouldn't have said that. He knows nothing gets past him, but also I love how the very first thing he said was caffeine pills. I was like, Oh, we're just going straight. Okay. Not even Adderall. We're just going. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah. Um, but of course, Vanessa denies, denies, denies. She's like, no, no, no. Like what the pill you saw me take earlier, it was an allergy pill. I, I, I told you it's an allergy pill. And she just basically leaves. So of course, that it just only confirms what Dr. Charles already knows is that yeah. she's on pills. You can't get anything past him. He's been doing this way too long. Yeah. But poor Vanessa, I just, clearly she's shouldering all kinds of pressure. I think obviously just being trying to become a doctor is a lot of work and a lot of pressure. And then now she thinks that obviously with people knowing that she's related to Maggie, the nepotism part of it, mm-hmm. you know, like it's obviously clearly weighing a lot on her. And it's just like, poor Vanessa. I feel like she went straight from college to the hospital. Like last season, I feel like we just like met her while she was still an undergrad and now she's a full ass doctor. Was she an undergrad? I feel like she was, she was, I think they were, they, I think she was in med school, but yeah, I was going to say, I don't think she was an undergrad. No, but it feels like she was. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of funny, but yeah, yeah. no, it's, it, and it looks like it's all going to come to a head next week. So poor thing. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, she's young and it happens. Yep. Consequences to your actions. Mm-hmm. There's a TikTok sound about that. That's pretty funny. Of course there is. I deleted TikTok. I needed a break, but I got to like get the wow, rest of it. Wow. I got to get the rest of, of it. I know. Thank you. Thank you. I'm I'm proud of myself and also way too old to be on it. Um, I only think about that because there was a really funny, there was a really funny one during Falcon and the Winter Soldier that had a walker. He was like running after he killed the guy with the shield and it was like, look, here comes the consequence, consequence. It was pretty funny. Anyway, go on. 
Oh my God. Anyway. Um, so of course we got some listener thoughts on this. Um, Jess B said, I think Vanessa's storyline is going exactly the way everyone expected it to, but I am surprised that Dr. Charles knows, or at least has an idea of what's happening so early. If he thinks she's putting her patients in danger, he's going to speak up. And I think he'll be keeping a close eye on her from now on. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then Megan R said, I'm growing more and more concerned for Vanessa as the episodes go on. Are there more issues going on with her besides the need to prove herself? If there are, we don't know. Yeah, like I said, I think it's a combination of her feeling like she, I mean, A, just becoming a doctor is stressful AF, Mm -hmm. Um, at least the stories I've heard, you know, it's rough. Um, And then, so I think she wants to prove herself in that regard. And also she wants to prove herself now that she knows that people know about her and Maggie, like I said, I think she feels like she has to prove that it wasn't just nepotism that got her this job, so... See, and I don't think anybody would think that even if the rest of the hospital found out. I think they would just be like, oh, cool. I don't think anyone would think that either, but that's not how she sees it. And I can Mm -hmm. see it from her perspective too. Yeah. Yeah. True. True. Oh, next up in the hospital. Oh, it feels so good to say this. Ethan. He's back. Ethan. Yay. Don't ever it's, leave us again. Honestly, I mean, I feel like last season I really started to turn turn around and like come around to Ethan, but like so he's never always been like my favorite character up until kind of recently, but I was just so glad to see him back. So glad. So glad. So glad. Oh my god. Just yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So Maggie and Vanessa, as they're getting coffee, they come back around as the ED and Maggie's like, the fuck? Like, why are you on a circle? Get to work. And the circle like parts. And it's Ethan. It's <sighs> so good. It is so good to see his face. Oh my God. Speaking yeah. of so good to see his face, did you see the behind the scenes video that Wolf Entertainment tweeted of him? Like, not Surprise- surprising because he was just there, but like surprising yeah. uh, Apatha. Yes, that's that's another one and, I watched 400 times. And her, re- yeah, I watched it 20 vigilante times. Her reaction is just so good. It's so sweet. And like, I'm pretty sure she lets out a holy shit. Um, yeah. And then like, she just squeezes them. And then it's so cute because like once they, once they like stop hugging, like she grabs his face and it's, oh, yeah. it's so cute. Yeah, so cute. It's, it's adorable. I also love how Nick walks on set and he's just like, he's not in this scene. He shouldn't be here. <laughs> Goofs. Oh, it's so good to see him. Um, so he, Ethan's changed a little bit. He's got that, like that, that everybody season eight hair going. Like that's like, he's like a season late on like the really good hair. So it's longer. It's like swoopy and like, yeah, it looks so good though. It looks real good. Looks real good. Um, <laughs> uh, so the hair, the hugs that are going around, just our hearts are just like, thank you. This is like slightly mending our hearts that are still healing over Casey. This, this helps a little bit. So it feels, it feels good. Like it feels like med is complete now because we've been waiting yeah. for him to come back. Right. Yeah. Um, he was the one that, you know, we were waiting on. And so now he's back and I'm like, okay, we're good. Yeah. Yeah. Bed feels settled. It's good. Yeah. So um, he has a moment with Dr. Charles where Dr. Charles just says, like, listen, like us gunshot survivors have to stick together, which like, oh yeah, Dr. Charles got shot. That hurt more than I thought it was going to. I was like, damn. That was the, the same way that we were like, oh yeah, like Dr. Charles knows. I was like, oh yeah, Dr. Charles got shot because he got shot. And then we resolved it in two scenes in the season premiere. 
We just talked about that too with our friend Rachel because she just watched that finale. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So Dr. Archer is immediately like, cool, let's go back to the sim lab and like get your skills back, which like he's the worst person to be doing that with. Like he's the last person I would want to see if I came back from like a freaking bullet being lodged in my spine. Well, and especially so before that, though, there's the conversation that he and Archer have where Archer kind of admits to feeling guilty about the fact that he's the one that, you know, kind of the reason that um, Choi got shot in the first place. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's just interesting the fact that, too, now that we go into this simulation, it's like, oh, yeah, you are the reason I got shot. And now I have to spend time. You're the one that has to evaluate me. It's like, oh, great. And I get that, like, they're, they're Navy buddies. So like, you know, they, they obviously they have a history, they have a history. They're accustomed to each other's style. Like maybe Archer's style of like coaching is exactly what Ethan needs to get back in the saddle, but still no, no, ain't doing it. Like Archer. No, nobody does except for Ethan. Like, ew. Uh, So Ethan's trying to practice intubating again and he's rusty. I mean, he's spent the last like seven months learning how to walk again. He's been a little busy, right? Um, but of course the one thing we notice, and this is what like lights up in the one Chicago pod group chat and, um, pretty much like in rapid succession, it's like, we see the scene and all of a sudden, like one of us goes, Ooh, those biceps. And another person goes, Oh, hello biceps. And we're just like, Ooh, Ethan's biceps. (laughs) (laughs) But like they are on display for us to comment on. So, I mean, I mean, mean, you, you can't, but they're right there staring at you in the face. What are you going to do? I mean, yeah. Brian's been working out. Good for him. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, one of us in the group chat, I think it might have been Logan from Ladies Night. Um, she was just like, well, I, I guess you've got to bulk up when you're playing Nicole Kidman's husband. I mean, also true. I I didn't hate it. I did not hate it. Yeah, me either. <laughs> He's looking good. We'll leave there. He's looking good. Yep. Do we think the long hair sticks around? I hope it does. I hope it, at least for a couple episodes, right? I would love that. I hope it sticks around. Yeah. We'd have like a full hospital of good hair. Mm-hmm. 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 Will's hair is always good, no matter what. And I mean, Crockett is Crockett, and we'd have a whole hospital of. I mean, and Lanik's still hair. there. We just don't see him all the time. So yeah, Lannick's where the hell is he on? I miss him. He was around for a hot second right wasn't he in the like the first episode i think so i think so also reactivate your instagram nate santana yeah um you know who also has good hair cooper oh my god yes he has good hair michael rady has really good hair so Mm -hmm. yeah he does he does it's just a hospital of guys full of good hair it really is though it really is yeah hashtag blessed <laughs> so um <laughs> he's still trying to intubate this guy and i mean again he's rusty he spent the last seven months learning how to walk again he's been a little effing busy um but you know he's getting like jammed up and everything and archer is just like you're losing him he's dying like shut up archer <laughs> shut up right nobody- just like give the boy a second yeah like nobody likes you nobody wants to listen to you just can it zip it yep. zip it uh so Ethan keeps on practicing and it keeps going sideways. And Archer's like, well, maybe we need to take a break. Maybe we need to stop. And Ethan's like, you've got to just let me try again. Like, shut up and let me keep practicing. He's like, I will get there. Just, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Like, 
that would be the point where I would be like, you talking right now is not helping me. I need you to shut the hell up. Like zip, zip. I just, they're really never going to make any effort to make Archer tolerable, are they? I don't know. I don't know what they're doing with Archer. And they haven't, they haven't told us anything about his family, anything about like anything that might like endear him to us. Nothing. Well, I would just really like to know. I don't really care. I mean, if they want to bring in Archer's family, fine, whatever. Um, but I would really like to know more about his time overseas and like the stuff that he, you know, how he'd even, because we had that time where he lied mm. about his, you know, PTSD and stuff. And it's clear he's got something going on that, you know, that his time over there affected him. And I would just, you know, I would really like to know. Yeah, just give us more than what we've got right now. Give us more than the face value. And I think, you know, he was a doctor over there too. So obviously a lot of that stuff affected how he is as a doctor now. And I think that would just be the most valuable information. So just give me, give me more about Archer's time overseas. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So then towards the end of the episode will tags him in will like will has no idea that ethan's still like regaining his sea legs will's just like hey ethan come help me out um tags him in when he comes in with cooper which we'll get there and ethan nails it because of course he does of course he does everybody's all surprised and we're just like like you doubt like, you doubted him really right not cool yep. don't doubt him you did it of course he did it of course he did it good for him i'm glad he's back I'm so glad he's back. But next week, the promo. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be, that's going to be something like, and I'm, I'm glad to see that, you know, it it looks like the hospital is going to rally around him too. Cause you see Crockett just be like, okay, talk to me. Like what's wrong. So, which is like, so surprising that it's Crockett given that history there. Uh Right. Yeah. Which I'm here for that. If they want to make that a friendship, I'm here for that. Give me all of that. Um, but it just is kind of surprising. I am so here if we are entering like the Will Crockett Ethan friendship era. Yes. Oh my God. That would be amazing. It really, it really would, especially because they're all men in their late thirties and forties and they shouldn't be fighting over women anyway. <laughs> True. Yeah. True. Yeah. True. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Megan R said it felt so good seeing Brian T's name in the opening credits again. Yes, it did. Yes, yes it did. Yes. Um, so excited that he's back on the show and I can't wait to see what storylines the writers have in store for him this season. Yeah. Yeah. Also, if you haven't seen it yet, go watch the video of him surprising you hate that it's the cutest thing in the world and you'll probably watch it 500 times. Yeah, I know we, I think retweeted it. It's on our Twitter somewhere. It's, you, you it's know. so but, cute. Yeah. yeah. So good. So. So good. All right, time for your favorite. It's Crockett. Oh, I love Crockett. Obviously. I mean, I love him too, but yeah. Obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have to kick it off with Crockett and Avery. Yes. I just I I can't. I can't with these two. Mm-hmm. And she's like barely around. And I'm just like, give me more. Give uh-huh. me more. I need yep. it. I literally, I just got chills. I just got chills. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's happening guys. Okay. So Avery's come in for a checkup or whatever. And so he's like checking out her incision and he's like, you know, everything looks good. Yada, yada, yada. And they are both flirting hardcore. It's great. And Crockett turns on the charm voice and they're like very close together. And it's just, 
It's so good. It's, it's really good. It's really good. I like, I would giggle if I were Johanna Brady. Like I, like he'd get super close and do like the Southern charm voice. And be like, <laughs> like, I just, yeah, I get it just turned into a schoolgirl just watching it and yep. like to be there in that scene. Yeah. I mean, she's an actress, so I'm sure she doesn't, she can handle I'm, it. She's professional, but well, like, as we speak, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what I said. I got chills. I'm just, oh, so good. It's, it's really um, good. Yeah. And so he's like, you know, oh, you know, at this point, you don't need to come back for another month. And she's like, oh, another month. She's like, I just, I think I need to come. I'll have to find a reason to like come see you again before that. And they talk about going out for drinks. And then Crockett's like, I don't think it's appropriate for me to date a patient. And everyone from the audience is like, yes, it is. Just do it. Or like, you know, just like, it's fine. You work at Chicago Med. What's a rule? You've never heard of a rule. Stop that. Yeah. Nonsense. And like, she's not gonna, at some point, like she may have one more checkup. Then she's going to be, you know, cleared from being your patient. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Totally fine totally fine also i appreciate her game i appreciate that she can flirt right back and be like hmm let me be assertive here and just like go get my man yeah and i forget exactly what her line was but she said something at the very end as she like walked away and like she got closer said the line and then left him to think about what she just said i was like oh my god she can dish it right back i love her i love it yeah love it love them yeah I love that we're going with this relation. I'm really glad that they didn't go there with um, Dr. Blake's character. Like, this is much more satisfying to me. Are we sure they're going that way, though? Like, they really better not pull a fake out. God, I hope not. And also, a triangle between a mother and daughter is gross. And that's not Crockett anymore. Like, if you told me that was Crockett season five, like when Crockett first showed up, I would kind of believe you. Mm Mm-hmm. Like Crockett season five, when he first showed up to med was much more of a playboy, whatever. And like, I would have kind of believed Crockett maybe would have done something like that back then. But I feel like Crockett's had a lot of growth in the last couple of years. And I just, I don't think he would do that. I really hope he wouldn't. Yeah. I hope he wouldn't. But anyway, so he's still working with Dr. Blake though, speaking of her. And they have found a liver for Sheldon, but of course it's too big. So Dr. Blake at first is like, yeah, well, we can't use it. We're just going to have to keep, you know, him on the donor list. But Crockett suggests a hepatectomy. I'm pretty sure that's right. And spell check did not catch it. So I, I think it's the right word. But I think that's just, I meant to look it up. I think that's just one of those procedures where they use like part of the liver, right? Yeah, it's a really fancy word for removing part of the liver. Yeah. Or in this case, just using part of the liver for the transplant. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So of course, Dr. Blake is like, eh, I don't know. And Crockett's like, no, I'm going to do it. And it's like, okay, I guess we'll try this. Um, so of course they're in there and the liver is still too big so dr blake just suggests making more room and like dissecting more of the diaphragm and i'm like okay Okay. all this like medical stuff is happening and i don't really know and i'm just like okay cool medical stuff (laughs) like okay um but it works it ends up working and so sheldon has his liver now and everything's good 
And Crockett finds Dr. Blake later on after surgery and he apologizes to her for pushing her into a corner with that surgery. But she's like, actually, I'm totally fine with it. He's like, she's like, I've been waiting for two weeks for the Crockett who threw me off my daughter's case to show up in my OR. She was like, you know, it was nice that he could finally make it. She's like, self-doubt is not a good look on you. Okay. Yeah. And it's true though. I don't think, you know, Crockett... Crockett is so capable of so many different things. And a lot of times he finds himself like questioning his own abilities and, but he shouldn't cause he's can pull it off. And yeah. I think that's the biggest difference. You know, sometimes we compare Connor and Crockett and I think that's the biggest difference. Connor was obviously way too cocky about his skills mm-hmm. and Crockett is, I think, confident in his skills, but sometimes he does lack that confidence when he shouldn't because he yeah. is, you know confident he's He's like a modest version of connor a very modest version very modest yeah yeah yep so yeah that's what's going on with crockett not a ton but i just crockett and avery that's like that's the ship that's it cravery is that what we call them a avit avit's a good one too or averit Averitt. Yeah, that's a good one. Averitt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Aversell. Okay. <laughs> I'm just running no. through all the options. I'm running through all the options. But she's a Blake, right? So we can't. Yeah, no. Blake. It's it? got to be Averitt. <laughs> no. Averitt. Yeah. Averitt. Averitt. Here for it. Uh, yeah. We're manifesting that. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. It's yep. gonna happen. Hashtag favorite. Yeah, we're making it a thing. It's a it's a thing. It's mm-hmm. a thing now. Mm-hmm. Um, we did have a listener thought on this. So Jess B said, "I'm not sure what to think of Crockett in the transplant doc. Love seeing him kick ass with her, but is this a long term thing? Because it seems a little too specialized to have him doing transplants every week. I am literally in love with Avery, though. She can come back every week, please, even if she's just there here to sue Will." <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, so I've heard from his suit well before. <laughs> Probably. Probably. Let's be real. Yeah. Yeah. That's Although, a good one though, Jess. That, that's no, a that's a one. really, that's a really good one. And I, I was about to defend Will, but I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna not because I'm just gonna not, I'm not gonna dig myself that hole, but um, moving into William, speaking of precious William. I mean, I found this the most interesting part of the whole episode just because it was just so unexpected. Yeah, I definitely, of all the, you know, different avenues, I thought the Cooper storyline was going to go. Him snorting cocaine, which causing causing a heart attack was definitely not what I thought. Started off as an episode of Mad and then veered off into an episode of Succession. <laughs> like, what? Okay, so... We start off, and it because remember Eleanor, she was the older lady from like two weeks ago. She died at the end of last week's episode. Her autopsy was inconclusive, but Will is hopeful that he's going to get Crockett. Er, he's going to get Cooper, Cooper to spill wrong the tea. Sea doctor word, wrong yeah, wrong sea doctor. doctor. Yep. <laughs> um, Will's hoping to get him to spill the tea at the critical care conference, uh, which I was not aware was basically going to be like a swanky like soiree at a hotel. Uh, I, I don't know what I was. What do you think it was going to be like just, a convention was, center? Yeah, but like I, which it pretty much was, but 
Okay, suited up Will took me by surprise. That's all I'm saying. It took me by surprise in a really good way. <laughs> oh, it didn't surprise me at all. Doctor conferences are typically super swanky. You're like so, always held in nice hotels. And yeah, I've been to enough of them to know. Yeah, you've got a doctor parent. Like I don't. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, I got to travel along to a lot of them. So as a kid, so. Yeah. So, so we cut to the conference and like, oh, my Atlanta suited up William. <laughs> <laughs> we are not worthy of suited up William. Okay. We are not worthy. I will, I will say, I don't know if Will got like a custom suit or whatever's going on, but this suited up William versus like weatherman William for like two seasons ago. It's like a different, I don't know, but if it's the hair, I don't know what makes the difference, but I will yeah. he does look really good. This was this not weatherman good. Will. This was like, this was not weatherman Will. No. Um, I'm pretty sure the suit had to have been custom because it was, it was mwah, like <laughs> perfection. I don't know if it's that or it's just the hair is flowier since Weatherman will. I don't know, but like it's definitely A plus growth. We just we need to take a moment to appreciate the fact that we've got the Halstead brothers in our lives because like the Halstead men and their ability to rock suits, we are hashtag blessed. Oh man. Oh man. Now you got me thinking about Jay's from 301, and I'm just like, damn. I am going to have to damn, do that. Damn, damn. I'm going to have to take a shot from 301 and a shot from this episode and put them together and just be like, we are not worthy. We're not worthy of the Halstead men. Like, no, we're not. We're really we're not. Really not. Just hashtag blessed. Hashtag blessed. <sighs> okay. So little Miss Vascom shows up. Um, her actual name is Jessa, but it's just a lot more fun to call her little Miss Vascom. Uh, she is like straight up just to the point. Right. So she's just like, well, Here's my question. She's like, I'm just starting out my career. I don't want to be associated with a bad device. Was it the VASCOM or did Matt do something? And like this quick little question she sneaked in, I was like, oh, she's smart. All right. Like her instincts are right on. So she's smart. She's just got to work out the kinks, but she's smart. Uh, But her timing is terrible because she's just like, was it Matt's fault? And then like clockwork, Matt shows up and Matt's just like, oh, hey, uh, And so Matt and Will, they talk a little bit and Matt mentioned something and he's like, yeah, I've been second guessing my own decisions lately. I'm sorry, what? Say that again? Yeah, that was where it's like changes that I'm like, oh, because he says that line. And at first, because we've been talking about whether, you know, he's actually bad or whether he's a good guy who just kind of got wrapped into, you know, something or whatever. And I was like, oh, so he's definitely a good guy. Like he's been quite, you know, second guessing his own decisions. I'm like, he's going to be a good guy. And then it just kept taking a turn. And I was like, okay. And yeah, he even says to Will, he's like, if you were a bottle of tequila, where would you be hiding right now? I'm like, okay, he's an alcoholic we can we can work with that well and like he's had a bad day well bad couple of days like I can understand wanting to get drunk just because you've had a bad couple of days I don't necessarily condone that but like I can understand why he would want to get drunk because he's had a bad couple of days yeah yeah and so so then we cut back to med and Goodwin's holding like a secret conference what is she doing (laughs) yeah I know she well I thought it was so funny because she's been all this time like you know we have to wait for evidence like we have to wait to know for sure you know if cooper is the one behind it if he's getting these kickbacks like we have to be super sure that our case is airtight and then all of a sudden before they even know for sure 
whether it was Cooper's fault or the vat, you know, whose fault it was. She's like, no, 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 there's no more Vascom. And it's like, wait, what? It's like the most like decisive I've ever seen Goodwin be ever. For real though, for <laughs> real. She just like waves the wand and is like, no more Vascom, Vascom be gone. And Archer's like totally thrilled, which like, yeah, okay, Boomer, of course you are. Like you're Archer, you're whatever. But the other doctors are pissed. Um, and one of the even says, she's like, you can't tie our hands like this clinically. And Goodwin basically just says, too bad. Like, oh, where, where, where did this Goodwin come from? <laughs> For real though. It's just funny. Cause like, usually she's not like that. She's usually just like, I should do something about this, but I'm not going to. So yeah. Yeah, a little, just a little surprising that, you know, usually she's like, Natalie, I should fire you, but I'm not going to. So it's interesting that she's just like, oh no, fuck that Vascom. We're not using that anymore. Like, hell no. So then we get an appearance from attorney guy. What? What? I already forgot his name. Arthur. Arthur. I remembered it this time. I definitely did not. Oh my goodness. Like that, I feel like there was just like a shift in the space-time continuum now that I finally remembered his name. Yeah. I definitely didn't. Yeah, no. I, so um, he shows up alongside Cooper's father-in-law. I completely forgot. Did we even know that Cooper's father-in-law was on the board? I'm trying to remember, and I meant to go back and like rewatch the like, kind of those first scenes from episode one just to like double confirm, but I don't think. <laughs> think so i don't remember that yeah i don't remember that so the basically the whole reason that they're there is like the board is not going to ban the vascon and the reasoning arthur pretty much gives the reasoning and it's that they would be fucked um there would probably be like a, a breach of contract and vascom would be like suing them up the ass so they won't ban the VASCOM, but they will form a committee to investigate. And all that makes me think of is when Aaron went to the task force and she came back and Adam was like, we were thinking of forming a committee on making coffee. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. So up in the hospitality lounge on like the swanky 12th floor of this hotel, um, Matt's enjoying himself. He's drinking, whatever. And Will, like, bless his heart, he tries so hard to be an investigative journalist. It's just it's 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 very well it's very well okay so they're talking or whatever and will tries to play the i got a text move where he's like oh excuse me as i respond to this message and he just like hits record anyway and he just starts well, recording. His phone, it's not even like discreetly it's like while your phone's like right up in front of basically in front of cooper's face and it's just like okay well, and it's practically like he leaned in so that he could see the screen. <laughs> like he's like, "Oh yes, yeah. I have this message to record. I mean, check." Like, <laughs> oopsies. Um, so we'll just play the clip. Vice reps don't like doing business if the doctors don't have a good time. Well, well. Why is that? <clears throat> Sober doctors aren't as corruptible. Look, companies like Vastic, they want to make sure that when push comes to shove, you don't suddenly get a bad case of ethics. Excuse me, I just gotta. Oh, I tell you, once you get used to the taste, it goes down smooth. So, do you feel like you've been morally compromised promoting the Basco? How else are you supposed to get the crab legs? <laughs> I mean, 
Bass. Bassick's giving you more than crab legs, right? How much are we talking about? Because you agree, a little bastard. <laughs> no wonder Bassick's trying to get their hooks in you. Come on, let me see. We, let me see. We take this party up a notch. Just a no. trying to like investigate and get clues and everything like it's so bad it's good like because he's so not subtle at all but it's also very precious you're just like bless your heart William oh like you tried it's like have you not learned anything from your detective brother anything no no there's a reason why Jay is the detective and Will is the doctor also, I feel like we haven't stopped to talk about enough. I mean, we kind of mentioned it already, but like Matt snorting cocaine. Yeah, so that 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 was coming. The other thing I was going to say about Will is that like as he's asking the questions, you just see like he's he's got his phone in like his pocket of his suit jacket, and he's just being so not subtle. He's like, "So, have you felt morally compromised lately?" Like trying to put the phone up in his face. <laughs> Oh, well, oh, well. So then we cut to the next scene. I didn't even catch this at the end. So at the end of the first scene, uh, Matt's like, what if we take this up a notch, huh? And he like pulls something out of his pocket. Didn't even catch that it was cocaine. I just thought it was another thing of booze. Oh, no, I, I kind of caught that it was, I didn't know it was cocaine, but obviously, you know, I, I knew it was like drugs. Uh, yeah, I didn't catch that part. Um, what cracked me up is at the end of that sound clip when, um, Matt takes the bottle of booze and just runs off. And I left the clip in here. Like when you hear this one that you just heard, he just goes, mm-hmm. I'm just going to like keep that um, and use it as a reaction. Now it, it made me laugh very hard, even though it shouldn't have. But then we get to the next scene. And at this point, Matt has gone full Kendall Roy. Okay. This is, this is now an episode of succession. Okay. Um, they're in the swanky hospitality suite in the bathroom and Matt is snorting cocaine. What? I did not see that coming. Oh, no. Not at all. Not at all. So he's snorting cocaine and Will's like, you know, Will is aware of it. And he's aware that like, you know, Matt's kind of impaired right now. So let me just take advantage. And Will just goes right in for the kill. He's like, so what happened with Eleanor? And (laughs) Matt's just like, what do you think happened? Um, And so Will's getting super close to like him spilling the details. And all of a sudden Matt's just like, oh man, like my arm hurts. And the minute he said that, I was like, they're actually going to do this. They're actually going to give Matt Matt Cooper is about to have a heart attack on my screen. What the fuck? So then he walks into the next room and Matt just collapses and you see Will just go, oh, damn it. Like poor Will's just like, I was really surprised. Like the way he fell, he definitely hit his head right on that dresser thing. How did he not have like a big gash in his forehead? It's a really good question. Really like good question. his face is perfectly fine when they bring him into the hospital. It's because it's Michael Rady. I don't know. I mean, but still, he should have had a big gash across his forehead. Yeah, he did hit that thing pretty hard. Um, it just, it, like, it, I really should not have made me laugh, but it just made me laugh how he hit the ground and Will goes, oh, damn it. And then Jessica comes in and Jessica's like, oh, damn it. Like, uh, that just, 
I, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's not the fact that he had a heart attack that makes me laugh. Obviously I'm not that much of a cold hearted bitch. It's just that when he goes down, I'm just like, that is so mad. And I did not see that coming. And it's just funny because it's so on brand for them to be like, surprise. Like <laughs> it, it just, I, I was amused. I was amused, but I was also just like, oh man, like did not see that one coming at all. No, nope. good, good job. Writer's room. Good job. Um, I feel like I should have known this, but I didn't know that cocaine can induce a heart attack. Yeah. Just say no, kids. Just say no. Just say no. So then we get back to med and this is like Will's version of the scene from the pilot. Okay. It's like the gurney's coming in. Will's like, Will's on it. Just doing compressions. Just like he's Connor with like the whooshy hair. And it's like the Shrek moment where he's like, whoosh, whoosh, like, yeah. So they come in and even Ethan is like, is that Matt Cooper? Like the fuck just happened? Um, and so, yeah, so he comes in and Will's just like, Ethan, come help me. And Ethan's like, oh, fuck, but okay, cool, fine, whatever. And Ethan gets him intubated because of course he does. Don't doubt Ethan Choi. Don't do that. We don't do that on this podcast. Nope, nope. So later on, Goodwin comes to check on Cooper and talk to Will. And I went ahead and pulled the audio for this just so we could have it. Hey, I heard what happened. How's he doing? Well, it seems he dodged a bullet, but it's too soon to tell. I was so close to getting him to confess. Well, an experience like this has been known to change a man. I guess we'll have to wait to see what effect it has on him. Okay, this is a little, not a little, this, this scene is cold-blooded from the two of them, okay? We just need to address that. This is pretty cold-blooded because the dude just had a heart attack. Nobody's saying like, should we call someone? Does he have any family? Does anybody need to know about this? Instead, they're both just like, we're still going to get the details. He's still going to spill the tea. Yeah. I mean, I just kind of assume they've probably already called his family. Like, I don't think they're, you know, that much of like cold blooded, you know. It was, yeah, yeah, that's true. And it had been hours, but like the way Will was just like, I was so close to getting him to confess. Um, time and place, William, time and place. The dude just had a heart attack at like 40 years old. Like, come on. Um, and even Goodwin's quote, she's like, this usually changes a man. So we'll just see what this does. Like, we'll see if it works in our favor. Ice cold. I am curious though, to see like kind of the aftermath, I guess, of this. And I was going to ask you, like, where do you think this goes now? So I think based on what we see in this episode, the kickbacks fund his drug and alcohol habit. That's why he takes them is so that they can basically, he can, he can buy drugs is my guess. Um, Oh, I have very different theory. Well, I don't think this would be something like he's got an ailing relative or something. They wouldn't have shown us what happened this week if he had a different excuse for the kickbacks. What do you think? No, I think the reason he's taking the kickbacks is solely because of the pressure from the father-in-law. Ooh. Yeah, I think it has to do more with that and that he's finally just kind of caving from the pressure, you know, and that's why we saw the father-in-law. Because I don't think we would have had the scene with the father-in-law and the board member, you know, being like, oh, well, no, actually, you can't do that, Goodwin. Like, we have to keep our Bascom contract. I don't think they would have given us that scene and that tidbit if it had, if it doesn't have something to do with the father-in-law. 
See, um, I, so- and I, I feel like we just haven't learned enough about him. We don't know enough about him for me to peg it on him. Oh, I'm still pegging it on him. And I think he's just, just, you know, it got to the point where he, you know, it's obviously now at one point it wasn't really affecting his career. Like it was just something he could do when kind of get by and he got some benefits from it. So I don't think he minded doing it, but mm-hmm. now obviously he's losing patience. It's going to affect his career. And I think Cooper's just kind of having a mental breakdown. Um, huh. That's my version of it. Um, but yeah. No, I like that. I like that. It, it, it's. Yeah, I'm like even more curious now. Yeah. But that came like well done. That was a big surprise. Yeah, like I said, did definitely did not see cocaine induced heart attack. <laughs> was not on the bingo card. It was not in the forecast. <laughs> no. no. No, no. So Kimberly J said, props to Med, but I didn't see this Cooper thing coming. I was kind of getting bored with the storyline, actually, but they just sucked me right back in. I think he's actually a good guy and a good doctor who's been pressured by his father-in-law to push Vascom. Okay, all right. Two nil, Bryna and co. Um, I think he's actually a good guy and a good doctor who's been pressured by his father-in-law to push Vascom. And he's now obviously caving under the pressure. Unless he doesn't recover, I can see him teaming up with Will to take his father-in-law down. I would like that. Oh, that would be, that would be good. Ooh, that would be awesome. That would be good. That would be a good twist too. That would mm-hmm. be, that would be good. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jess said, I'm glad we're to see we're finally going somewhere with this Vascom storyline. Although I guess this means that Cooper really is shady and we're just waiting for a confession from him now. I really didn't expect it to get that wild that quickly, but as a certified Will Halstead stand, I will never say no to seeing him all sweaty from doing CPR. And then she said, I'll show myself out now. Okay, but you know, and I, there was a note about this. Okay, so do you remember at Con, what now, now it's been like almost four years, which is just nuts. Um, When we were in the meet- I know, isn't that crazy? Um, When we were in the meet and greet- with Marina and LaRoyce, um, Marina said something about Nick and how he's just so detailed and like in the weeds about things. And like, I just, I have a really like stupidly good memory where I recall details, like, and I, I don't know how I do it, but I just do it my whole life. But um, she had mentioned like when she was talking in that meet and greet, she was just like, Nick's the kind of guy that he'll, he'll just look at you and be like, so if I had a cup of coffee right before, like I went into the doctor's lounge, you'd think I'd be like buzzing. Like, how would I be? And Marina just, I just remember her talking and being like, I don't know, Nick, like, what are you thinking about? Like, what are you doing? So that, that sound by just, I made me think I was like, you know what? I bet that was a Nick thing there where Nick was like, if he's been doing compressions from the hotel to the hospital, like he's probably sweating by now. That's like, that was probably a Nick detail. Um, it's good all around. It's good. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I love that. Like, I love how nerdy and detailed Nick is like detail, detail oriented on those kind of things. Cause like nerd. Yeah. So we should probably start talking about fire before I gush over Will Halstead anymore and make a fool out of myself. <laughs> um, yeah, just, just Will Halstead stand squad. Hi over here, you know, come to the dark side. We have cookies. <laughs> anyway, any other notes on med? Nope, but a solid episode. This was good. This was a really, Med's been so strong this season. Yeah, it really, it, it really has. It, it really has. Yeah, big time, big time, big time. All right, moving into fire. Fire, fire, fire. Okay, so uh, this was a good episode too. This was, I liked this one more than last week's. I just, 
I mean, I like, I don't think this will ever be my favorite episodes. I don't think I'll go back and like rewatch these episodes, mm-hmm. but it, I think, and we'll get there eventually, but I think the presence of, or the lack thereof of Stella's presence is like really noticeable, especially since Jesse's not there. Like the fact that Stella is also not there and supposed to be coming back. Like, it's just, it's very glaring to me. Yeah, I just want to snap my fingers and cut to the chase when she's back. Like, that's great that these episodes are happening, but just give me give me Stella back. Let's just cut to that like, part. It'll always be weird until we kind of get used to it that, like, Jesse's gone for right now. But, like, Miranda being gone as well is definitely not making it easier. And it's just very glaring. Even from a numbers perspective, like, mm-hmm. I tweeted this yesterday. I still don't understand how Truck is running a three-man truck. It's literally just Mouch and Gallo and Pelham. Yeah. Like, I don't understand. And then Squad has got three guys because Severide is not in this episode right now because of Arson. Oh, if I. So it's yeah. just Cruz, Cap, and Tony. Like, I don't understand how we're running three man trucks when, I mean, Squad has typically always been four people. So, and Severide's coming, it's back by the end of this episode. So it's not that one I'm not as worried about. But Truck at one point had like, I mean, they had four, but then at one point they've even had as many as like five or six. Mm-hmm. So I don't understand how we're running the three-man truck right now. That's a good question. That's a really good but anyway, question. But anyway, like I said, the lack of Stella, which we'll get to, is just, it's very glaring. It's hurting, like big time hurting. It's really- yeah. Yeah. So let's start off with Severide. Um <sighs> It's a strong opinion there, Bryna. Uh, why don't you start us yeah. off? Oh, man. Okay. Or do you Gladly. want me to? I know. You're, Gla- you're, no. no. You've got rage. Go. Go. Do the thing. Gladly. You don't have rage? Like, I I do, but like, not. I don't know. I do. And I'm not but- even. I, here's the thing with my rage. It's not like I'm worried that something actually is going to happen, right? Like. Severide and Stella are as strong as could be and they're engaged and they're going to get married and it's going to be wonderful, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm not really worried about anything happening, but Seeger just annoys the fuck out of me so bad that I just, I can't do it anymore. And this was not fun. I do, I do find her annoying, but like, I find her annoying in the way of like a flyer trying to kill. I'm like, you just keep swatting. You're like, go away, go away. Um, Yeah. Honestly, yeah. I wasn't even that bad last night. And then I already watched today. I was like, what the fuck is she doing? She's bold. Anyway. She's bold. Yeah. That's one word for it. That's probably the nicer word for it. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let it out, so, Brenna. Anyway. It starts off. And because, you know, last week's episode ended. Father Anthony's in the coma. You know, they're not sure if he's going to wake up. Um, he got set on fire by some guy that they're not really sure who it is yet. Anyway, that's kind of where we pick things up. So as one does casual, yeah, normal Wednesday. Yeah. So Severide and Seeger are looking it through the street cam footage, trying to see if they get anything on the guy who set Father Anthony on fire, but it's a dead end. Um, but of course, then Van Meter mentions that like, since PD is on the case, like he can't really justify keeping Severide on the case, but Severide's like, no, no, no. Like, unless you're. Unless OFI is also dropping the case, he's like, I'm, I'm sticking on. 
Like you know, you know how like, you know how the approval from Goodwin is like all Will has ever wanted to hear in life. Like that is all Van Meter has ever wanted to hear. <laughs> is Severide being like, no, I'm staying on the case. Van Meter's just like, hallelujah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, but of course, they since they don't have any camera footage, they're they're kind of at a dead end. So they decide to go back and talk to Sister Montclair one more time. And she mentions that the investigation into Father Anthony from the Archdiocese was open based on an anonymous tip. But, of course, they didn't really find anything in the investigation. And she also mentions that people have started kind of getting rowdy because Father Anthony is starting to lean a little bit more progressive. Important tidbit for later on. Mm -hmm. Um, So they go back to FI and they start trying to go through past church fires and see if anything jumps out. And then, of course, Van Meter comes in and breaks the news that Father Anthony didn't make it. So they're really kind of stuck. They really have no idea where they're going with any of this yet. So Severide, being Severide, is like, hey, how about this dumpster fire from two months ago? And Seeker's like, a dumpster fire? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, it was between an apartment building and a Catholic church. So we should go check it out. And, of course, it ends up being the most important tip to the case because they go and check it out and the father of that church mentions that there's also been some tension there with older members complaining that they've gotten too woke (laughs) um he's like and you know we had this incident a couple weeks back where some of our books had been defaced with some angry doodling and he brings them out of bag and is like here feel free to go through them you know, whatever. Like, I don't care what Severide points me to, even if it's just like, even if it's like super sketchy and he's just like, hey, go into this like abandoned van. We've got candy. I'd be like, there's got to be a tip in here somewhere. Severide said it's okay. Like, yeah, I'm following it because I trust Severide. Yeah. I mean, it's just funny though, how like of all the things he he would know that this is like something about this seems sketchy like it's just Severide things just Severide just Severide things his instincts are he is like his he is wired for like the fire department he's just it's his DNA it's just it's in him yeah so 51 gets called out to a church um St. Dominic's but so Borudin of course is like my bells went off when they said church so I have to alert Severide and as it just turns out it was a false alarm so Severide gets back to the car and Seeger, because Seeger stayed in the car and she has found that some of the books like were defaced. Why did she, were, why did she stay in the car? I don't know. She just said she was going to stay in the car. Okay. Weird. Yeah. So back at OFI, they're going through the books like with more detail and Severide notices that the arrow going through the heart in every book points to the same verse. And Seeger's like, I know this verse. I know this verse. And she mentions that she the reason she knows it is because she saw it hanging up in Sister Montclair's office. So they go back and they're talking to her. And she mentions that that quote hanging in her office was a gift from Mr. Muller, the former groundskeeper. And apparently he left on good terms. And she was actually interviewing his possible replacement on the day of the fire. And so it's like, oh, my God, that's why Father Anthony told us to come talk to you. And, like, he wanted us to ask you this question. So she takes them to the basement or whatever that room is where, like, all of the supplies were kept. And they, of course, find remnants of none other than ammonium nitrate. Yeah, aka what you used to build bombs with. <laughs> Which we've learned from watching TV. 
Yeah. Yeah. And fire too on the few times they've dealt with bombs. I love it when Kelly talks arson though. I love it. He's talk like arson to me. Yeah, talk arson to me, Kelly. Like that really needs to be a shirt. It does. Holy crap. Yes. I will work on that. <laughs> uh yes. Talk arson to me, Kelly. So now they've gotten this idea of like who actually did it. Atwater gets to a warrant to search Muller's house. And okay, before before we get to like what they find in Muller's house, this is one of the scenes that like killed me that I was like, what are you, Severide, what are you doing? So like they get out of the car and Severide, as like they're walking up to the house, Severide like puts his hand on the back of Seeger, like on Seeger's back. And I'm like, what are you doing? Next time, just let her trip, okay? Like, <laughs> like I get it. Severide's just being nice. Like, I get it. I, again, I'm not really that worried about anything happening with Stella. Like, I'm not. But, like, Kelly, what are you doing, boy? What are you doing? It's not that we, it's not that we're, again, like you said, we're not worried for Stellaride. It's just that we don't trust her. We trust him. We don't trust her. Well, and I think the thing that also bugs me about it, and we'll kind of get to it at the end too, is I think the thing that really bugs me about it is that it's clear that she still has a crush on him, right? She's Mm -hmm. had a crush on him since they really first started working together. And Severide knows he didn't really believe it, but he knows that she had a crush on him. So I feel like he knows deep down that the things that he's probably doing, like the hand on the back or whatever, like it's just adding fuel to her fire to think that maybe even though he's engaged and she probably knows that he's engaged that like maybe just maybe he likes her too and that's the thing that really bothers me is that it's just like everything Severide's doing is adding fuel to Seeger's fire to believe oh maybe he likes me too yeah but i mean severide is like a 40 year old man there's no way he's there's no way he's paying any attention to the fact that he might be leading her on he's focused on getting no, and the that's arsonist. what i'm saying i don't think he realizes it mm-hmm. i think in seeger's mind she is taking every little thing he does like he looks at her one way and she's like oh my god he has a crush on me too oh my god i mean which honestly who can blame her same seeger same but also he's I engaged mean- have some respect that's what I, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like I said, I don't think Severide means anything by it at all. And I'm, I'm, again, I'm not worried about Stellaride. It's just, anno- I'm like, what are you doing? And she just, your fiance has gone for quit. like three weeks and this is what happens. Like, what are we doing here? Yeah. Yeah. She just won't quit either. Like, uh, yeah. 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 Quit trying to shoot your shot. He's taken. Yeah. So anyway, so they go in the house and they basically go up to Mueller's room and it is covered in like Catholicism related flyers and drawings. And then, of course, they find like even on the wall, the same drawing from the books that they had found. And then, of course, they find plans for a bomb. So kind of confirmed. And of course, St. Dominic's, the church from earlier, is practically right across the street from his house. So it's clear that that is his next target. So all the 51 gets called back to St. Dominic's again. And so Severide and Seeger and Atwater show up and they all start looking for this car bomb. And Muller starts running and Severide of course goes after him and Severide has this like action movie shot that like where he slides against the hood of the car and I'm like again just Severide things just Just Severide Severide things things. that would be the part in the Marvel movie where he would like transform into a suit and like take off 
Taylor definitely did that stunt, right? Oh, hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Okay. All it is is sliding across the hood of a car. Like, yeah. Yeah, Taylor's done a lot worse. No, my clumsy ass would probably get stuck. <laughs> yeah, I probably mm. couldn't have pulled that off either. Um, but of course, Muller gets in his car and proceeds to blow it up. But luckily, nobody was hurt. It looked like for a hot second, the little girl might get hurt. But Bowden and Pelham save her. So I'm going to well, give Severide the benefit of the doubt that he didn't see her. He wouldn't have just run past her. Like, he just didn't see her. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt there. Um, yeah, I mean, there were a lot of tweets about the little girl and how, like, she was absolutely terrified. But then it was super cute how, like, Bowden ran to pick her up and she just, like, put her arms up, like, waiting for him. Yeah. They tried to make us think Severide got hurt. Man, when, when Cruz yelled for a medic, I was scared. I was like, no, we did not just do this to Kelly. But he was fine. Right. Like you survive a um, underwater boat rescue just to then get hurt by a car bomb. You blew up a boat while you were in it underwater and you lived only to get taken out. With by barely this. any scratches. Yeah. Only. Yeah. And this sure. is not even your first bomb. If we take it back to the backdoor pilot. Yeah, definitely not the first bombs. Not and first like, bomb. and then, yeah, unfortunately, they've all experienced way too many bombs. So just severed things all in a day's work. Yeah. But so this storyline wraps up with the end and Seeger drops Severide back off at 51. You know, his time in arson or, or at, at OFI is over. And she's like, oh, mate. she's like joking and kind of trying to flirt with him and she's like oh you know you left me with all this paperwork and he's like listen he's like i'll buy you a drink at molly's next time like it's on me to make up for it and she's like I-, I take you up on it for sure and then he like gets out of the car and like i swear gina the look on her face after he gets out of the car like you would have thought seeger just like got proposed to or something like she is, I'm telling you, he, like, he doesn't realize that what he's doing, like, I mean, he thinks that like he offered to pay for a drink for her as friends. Like, and I totally believe that, but to her, you would have just thought he asked her to marry him. Yeah. I think he sees them as professional colleagues and she doesn't, and he has no idea. Yeah. Which he should, because he's had a, or she's had a crush on him before, mm-hmm. but he doesn't see it and it's just like severide 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 what are you doing yeah seager what the hell are you doing yep yeah and it would all be fun in games if we didn't know she was still around right i was just about to say like if this is where it ended i could have been fine with i would have just let it go and been like okay she's done but we know she was on set this week so why is she still here but actually, though. Mm-hmm. Yep. But actually, though. Yep. So I guess we will figure out why she's still around. And I have a feeling it's not just because she is Stella's co-chair for Girls on Fire. Mm-hmm. That's definitely not why she's still around. Anyway. So, of course, we had some listener thoughts, obviously. Um, Jess said, the ending of the arson story was fine. Probably not where I thought it was going, but fine anyway. I don't know... 
I don't know. She said, I'm not into arson investigator, arson investigator Kelly as everyone else. So I wasn't overly invested in the storyline. I'm just hoping this means we're saying goodbye to Seeger again. I really want to like her, but because I think she could be an interesting character, but she's just produced a crushing on Kelly over and over, which I don't vibe with. And can we get Stella back ASAP, please? We need it so bad. So bad. Um, but yeah, I wish, like we said, I wish this was the end of Seeger, but it's not. It's not. No. Um, and this and is it, nothing against Andy Allo because she's good. You know, yeah. she's, you know, she's great, but I just don't like Seeger. No, no. Uh, Miranda posted something about Andy on her Insta story the other night. And all I kept thinking was like, she is so beautiful. Oh my God. Andy's absolutely stunning. Um, Did you ever watch Upload? Mm-mm. Nope. I've started it. And then I stopped because it was around the time of my mom's passing last year. And because Mm -hmm. it kind of deals with death, I was like, I can't, I was like, Mm -hmm. I don't think it would make me that emotional, but I was like, I can't do this right now. Yeah. And I want to pick it back up because they got, you know, they filmed a season two. And so I think season two is supposed to come out maybe like early next year. Mm -hmm. Um, So I do really want to watch it. I did like it. I just never got around to finishing it. So, and she's the main character in that. That's why I mentioned it, but. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I started mythic quest this week or this, this past weekend, which is, um, we'll get into like soon. Um, I started mythic quest. It's fantastic. But once I'm done with that, which I will be this weekend, then I don't know what to jump to next. So we'll see. Maybe I'll jump on that. Mythic quest is hilarious by the way. Um, okay. So moving into Pelham and Gallo. Oh boy. Okay. So Mouch is looking for the new floater lieutenant Pelham, but he's actually already been sent. He's been there bright and early, like fixing a leak on truck, whatever. Cool. Uh, yeah. So Mouch is like on the apron and he's like, is that our new floater attendant? Like walking up? It's Kylie. Not even remotely close. Uh, Fucking cap. Fucking I- cap. <laughs> you need glasses. I think is what Tony said. He's like, you need glasses. Uh, yeah. So the, the the lieutenant's actually been there. He like rolls out from underneath the truck and he's just like, oh, morning, everybody. Hello. Like, I am your new lieutenant. Um, Casey, meanwhile, has he's written a letter to Brett. And in that letter, he left something for Gallo, which Brett gives him. And it turns out that it's Casey's recipe for corned beef. So sweet. Um, and is it Mouse who says it? He's like, dude, he's passing you the torch. Like, it's Herman, but yeah. Herman. Yeah, he's like, he's passing you the torch. Like, this is big. Wow. Okay, so 81 and 51 get called out to a warehouse where this guy is trapped and he hurt his leg on the conveyor, okay? I feel like you and I are going to disagree on Pelham here. So Gallo and Pelham, they have a difference of opinion on how to approach the call because Gallo's ready to just like act and Pelham's like, wait, like, wait, there's a chance that this could happen. And if that's the case, we're not going to do it. Um, Even though like at the end, Gallo's idea would have worked just fine. Like they still don't, they still don't roll with it so they get back to 51 and pelham just mentions he's like we don't know what could have happened so when that's the case we always play it safe like we play it safe that's what we do and gallo just throws it back at him he's like casey always gave me a little bit more latitude to act on his own and pelham just goes i'm not casey and when i give you an order i expect you to follow it totally fair in my book i think it's fair and i i why do you think we're going to disagree that I don't think it's fair? Because I saw your tweet last night where you were like, I don't like you. Um, and at the end of this episode, I was like, yeah, and I still don't really like him. But see, at the end of this episode, I was like, I don't hate him. 
I mean, I don't hate him, right? Like, I'm not like, oh my God, Pelham is the worst person ever. Like, we've had way worse, like, really, like, lieutenants and, you know, whatever. I guess the reason I'm not a fan of Pelham right now is that mm-hmm. I feel like you should kind of understand the situation you just walked into and that, you know, everyone is kind of still suffering. Not that Casey's die you know right like not that Casey's dead he just left for three years so but still like he's gone he's been a big part of this firehouse for 15 plus years right yeah like he is firehouse 51 Mm -hmm. and I think you're gonna have I think he should just kind of realize that he's been a floater enough which obviously we learn later on to know that like I just feel like he should have realized what he was walking into and that like people are still adjusting to change and that like, mm-hmm. it's just weird, right? Like they're still getting used to the fact that Casey's not the one giving them orders and won't be giving them orders. on a, Like, this isn't just for a shift or two. This is like for real, like Casey's not coming back for a while. And so I just, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Kind of like when Gallo first came in and Gallo was like, you know, after Otis died and, Gal was like, listen, like, I get it. Like, I, you know, everyone's going through, you know, they're all grieving the loss of Otis and I would never try to replace him. But like, you know, I just trying to be here and do my job and, you know, fit in as I can. And I feel like that should have been Pelham's approach. And it wasn't. But not necessarily saying I'm also excusing Gallo's behavior either, because I don't think that Gallo handled it right either. But I do think that it's just changes, you know, change is hard to deal with and I think you know yeah 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 I I do think it's a little different with Gallo coming as Gallo was on truck and this is a lieutenant I think it's slightly different um but oh no I definitely I definitely get where you're coming from I get it so um Bowden asks Mouch to or he wants to see Mouch in his office and he just kind of asks him what what he thinks of Pelham he's like you know what's what's your opinion and Bowden's like, I don't want a revolving door of lieutenants. So I'm trying to figure out if he's the right fit or not. And Malch asks about Stella, but si- since she keeps extending her stay in Boston, Bowden's like, I'm really, I'm really not sure. Um, side note, but when she gets back, like you better hand her that position on the silver platter. Like. I love how and we'll get there, I guess, in a second. So I may be spoiling it, but mm-hmm. I'm not spoiling it. I guess if you've, you know, you're not listening to this, if you haven't seen the episode, but when he's like, oh, um, Pelham's going to be sticking around for like a month or so. I'm like, okay, they give Stella enough time to get back from Boston, you know, get her shit together and then become lieutenant. Like it, they didn't say, oh, he's going to be around forever. Like a month. I can handle a month. Mm-hmm. I can handle a month. But yeah. Yeah. So Pelham looks for Gallo, but he finds Mouch instead. And he asks him about, you know, Casey and Gallo. And Mouch just mentions, he's like, Casey really took him under his wing. And Pelham's just like, Captain Casey, like, really meant a lot to this house, didn't he? Which, like, I get it. Do your homework. Um, But Mouch says, he's like, more than I could put into words, honestly. We were really lucky to have him. Um, And, you know, Pelham just says, he's like, he was lucky too, being in a house like this. Like, that kind of loyalty, having that from his crew. So, you know, he's understanding. So later on at Molly's, Pelham buys Gallo a drink and tries to give him some advice on adapting to new leadership. Okay, but like Pelham's trying. He tried with the beer. He tried. I don't know. He tried. Um, 
But Kara, the brewery girl, she interrupts before the conversation really goes anywhere. Not only that, but um, so like that, I that first part when he like hands him the beer, I was like, okay, peace offering. Like, that's cool. I can work with that. But then Gala was like, we have to go. And he left like the full beer, like right there on the counter. I was like, that's a little rude. That's a little rude. Like, um, Gala was just, I, Mm, Gala was the attitude from him tonight. I did not like it. I don't think I'm not saying again that I think it was right necessarily, but it's understandable. I think again, like I think change is really hard, and not everyone handles it the right way. And I, I just, you know, like this is someone he really thought. I mean, he literally just told Casey like weeks ago that he was, you know, he could have gone to squad or started his squad training, but no, he wanted to stay on truck 81 and learn from Casey, Mm -hmm. Casey specifically. He literally just made that, you know, declaration. And so now Casey is gone and Casey's not coming back for a while. And I like, I I get it. Like gallows in his feelings Mm -hmm. and Again, I don't think he necessarily handled every situation in this episode right, but I think it's understandable why he's acting the way he's acting. Hmm. We're going to disagree on this one. Um, Yeah. So Pelham wants Mouch and Gallo to rearrange all the compartments on truck, but Gallo is pissed. Um. And so, like, th- this is definitely one of the parts where I was like, Gallo, stop, dude. Like, stop. Um, yeah, this I thought was a little, a little too much. A little much. Yeah, he's like, well, Casey organized this based on 15 years of experience. Calm down, child. Calm down. Like, yeah, he's in his feels, but he's also acting like a pissed off toddler. It's not, I, I didn't, I, I didn't like this look on him. And I feel like this is the first time we've seen this out of Blake. And I was not a fan, not a fan. Um, But Pelham just says, he's like, well, one day I hope I have a firefighter that gets that starry eyed when he talks about me. And he goes, listen, tell you what, Gallo, I leave 51 and you can put it back the way Casey had it until then. Let's do it my way. I don't think Pelham wants to have to assert himself this way, but like he's got Gallo being like an ankle biting chihuahua. And I don't really think he's got a choice. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I don't think, I think Gallo is out of line. Like, I don't think he should have thrown Casey back at you know Casey the Casey having 15 years of experience line like I don't think that was necessary I think you should have just like I think there was a way if you were not okay with changing the compartments like you could have said it without like being like well Casey did it that you know like I think there was a way you could have had that conversation um but yeah yeah and so Pelham and Herman have a conversation later and he mentions how he was floating last year um Pelham was just floating around and Herman doesn't say anything about it, but he kind of makes a mental note of it of just like, why has he been floating so much? Hmm, that's weird. So at the church call that we were talking about earlier, um, when Bowden finds the little girl, Pelham comes running behind them and Pelham shields them both with like his turnout coat. Um, so then Bowden makes the announcement at the firehouse. He's like, Pelham's going to stick around for like the next month or so. So Gallo makes Casey's corned beef and he offers up the first plate to Pelham as a peace offering. So they're both trying. It's just not going great. Um, yeah. When he offered up the first plate, I was like, okay, well, he's trying too, unless he just poisoned it. Like, I don't know. I hope he didn't. Like, <laughs> oh God. 
So then Mouch, Mouch, Mouch mentions to Herman, that's a tongue twister. Mouch mentions to Herman that he's glad Pelham's sticking around. And then Herman mentions that something's off. He's like, listen, a guy that great, like, doesn't it make you wonder why he's been floating for so long? Like so many different places and never got a command of his own. I thought there were some guys that were just like constant floaters and it was no fault of their own. I thought it was just like, there was no capacity. No, in the fire I think department. there are, like, I think there are people who are just floaters. Right. Mm-hmm. But Herman's point is that like, if everyone loves him mm-hmm. so much, right. There's obviously been open Lieutenant positions at houses, right? Like if he is that great, then why wouldn't he have gotten one of those positions? I just want to be able to give a new character the benefit of the doubt. It's just, it's never nope, going to happen. He's is fishy. It? He's fishy. Nope, he's fishy. See, and he's I think fishy. I was trying to decipher whether like, cause I, again, like you, you had tweeted, you were like, I don't like him. And I was just kind of like, I don't hate him, but I didn't, I wasn't sure if it was cause I'm like, I'm feeling lulled into a false sense of security because he's played by Brett Dalton. So I don't know if it's like the familiarity of him. That's like, like sucking me in that. I'm just like, he's not that bad. Uh, he's not listen until we know for sure what his like because there's a backstory there right and i don't Mm -hmm. think it's gonna be that great um i don't really know where i think it's going but i don't think it's gonna be that great but like so until then i like in this episode i don't think he was the worst like he's definitely not gonna be my least favorite character i mean that's still like hope or you know gorsher you know there's still many characters i hate below pelham right but i just I think it's pretty clear too. He's not sticking around. And so for me, like, I don't have any reason to get attached to him. I didn't really care for him. I just, and I think I've just, because I'm feeling more still of the way get gallows feeling. I think mm-hmm. that's also part of the reason why I sympathize with him. Yeah. So like I'm still in my Casey feels and I'm still not over the fact that Casey's gone. And so for me, I'm like, and not that I'm acting the way that Gal is acting, obviously, but like I get it. And so for me, it's a lot easier to sympathize with Gallo than to like feel something for Pelham. That's fair. And my way of dealing with change is just like push it out of mind and be like, hey, moving on. Like I'm not going to stop here and, and stop for my feels. I don't want to do that. Like moving on. So that's, yeah, that's entirely fair. So I get it. I get it. So, uh, Jess B, I had scrolled too far for a second there. Jess said, I'm not not really sure what to make of Pelham. On one hand, I understand wanting to come into a new workplace and not stand in the shadow of whoever was there before. But on the other hand, even he said it was only going to be temporary. So why change all the truck compartments around? I'm with Herman that there has to be more than meets the eye. And I'll be really curious to find out exactly why he moves around so much. And then just said, I'm sorry, but I just need to get this off my chest about the corned beef thing. Um, I actually really like corned beef, but you can clearly see in the background of that scene that they were all sitting down with plates of just meat and eating. No salad, no side dish, nothing. <laughs> what are they doing? Couldn't even concentrate on the rest of that scene and literally can't even recall what the rest of the scene was about because I could just see Pelham in the background with a single strip of corned beef on his plate and nothing else. And I couldn't stop saying what the fuck. I died when I read that in her email. It's that's hilarious. Yeah. That's I didn't even funny. really think about it, but now that she brings it up, I'm like, yeah, you're right. Like, why isn't like I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you're right. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then we had a question from Delicate X Muse on Twitter, and it said, "What do you speculate will be Pelham's backstory and overall impressions of his character so far?" I mean, we've kind of given our overall impressions, but I'm curious, like, what do you think his backstory will be? Oh God, I don't know. Um, 
I could see it being something where like maybe he was at a firehouse and he was pretty beloved and then maybe there was like a bad call and he had a fall from grace. I don't know. Yeah, my mind keeps going to like sexual harassment. I don't know why, but I feel like at that point he would have been kicked out and not Mm -hmm. a lieutenant anymore. But I don't know. That's just where my mind goes. I would like to think that if it was sexual harassment, that like word would have gotten around the CFD and like people would know and not hire him. Right. And that's why I don't think it's that, but that's just the first place my mind is going. Yeah. Yeah. So. So. Hmm. Moving into Brett and Violet. Oh, man. Brett and Violet, our two Mm -hmm. favorite Ambo ladies. Mm -hmm. Okay. So since Brett and Casey keep missing each other's phone calls, like you kind of mentioned earlier, Casey has decided to send a letter to Brett, um, which is super cute. And to make it even better, she's flying out to Portland next week to go see him. So things seem to be going well for Brett And I'm just like, okay, cool, (laughs) cool. So then we get to Violet and Ritter and they're discussing Winterfest, which I'm assuming that's what episode nine is, right? Like the holiday episode is like centered around Winterfest, right? Like that would kind of make sense. Mm Mm-hmm. Especially because we know they've had these casting calls for, like, a big festival. And we saw, like, the filming picture today um, from that. (laughs) Spoiler alert, it doesn't go well. Um, Yeah. So I'm assuming that's what this is, is Winterfest. That would make sense. That's what I'm kind of putting together. Mm -hmm. Anyway. So Violet and Ritter are like, you know, with Winterfest coming up, we need this perfect beer for the occasion, yada, yada, yada. And Violet mentions reaching out to Kara for help. And Ritter's like, oh, we uh, let's bring in Gallo as Gallo like walks in. And this is where we get the meet us at Molly's reference. How would you feel about calling Kara? Ask her to meet us at Molly's, talk Winterfest? Sure, she'd be glad to. She was just texting me about it. It's so good. It is so good. I, it's, it, Yeah. I don't know like what to make of it. I'm just kind of like, yeah, yeah, cool, cool. We've um, been wanting it for so long and now it's happened. And I'm like, oh, because it's always okay. been, it's always been like, oh, meet you at Molly's me. or like meet me at Molly's. I'm like, God, no, it's us, us. Grab one more person and say us. <laughs> well, so, now we got it. It has happened. It has happened. And I love that it was the millennials too. Like I just, of course it was the millennials. Of course. Yeah. 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 Love it. So, and Gal's like, yeah, 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 sure, whatever. And so later on, Gal sees Brett, like, planning for her trip to Portland. And he's like, oh, well, how's Casey doing? And he's like, he's doing good. And then she, like, gives us a little update on Ben and Griffin, too. Ben is apparently now in some advanced coding class. Awesome for him. And Griffin is apparently thinking about the Fire Academy after college. Because of course he is! Chicago Fire, the next generation. It's happening, guys. We called it. We called this. We called this like years ago. A bajillion years ago. And it's happening or it's starting to become canon. And I'm just, I'm so here for it. So here for it. Yeah. Oh man. That just made me happy. I was like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So later on, Violet and Ritter at Molly's, because they, again, they all agreed to meet at Molly's with Gallo and Kara too. And when Violet and Ritter see Gallo leave with Kara, you know, they see them leave and Violet is like jealous AF. <laughs> She's so jealous. Um, by the way, Hanako looked really good in that scene. She post posted pictures from that too on her Instagram. And it's just she, the hair, the makeup. It's, it's she looked 
flawless in that scene. I feel like we also need to take a moment to appreciate um, Hanako and Daniel's new Twitter handles and like the names on their Twitter. Yes! So yeah, so they've they've switched their names on Twitter so that Hanako's says Daniel Kyrie Stan account and Daniel's says Hanako Greensmith Stan account. And honestly, same. Um, I mean, same. I'm a Hanako and Daniel. Same. Yeah. Uh, we should do that just for a day and change the, t- the podcast name and just be like Hanako and Daniel Stan count. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> we should do that. That would be really funny. That would be funny. Just yeah. Cause, cause same, honestly. I mean, yeah. Same. Why not? So cute. Yeah. But anyway, and so all of a sudden, like I said, Violet is jealous, but she won't admit that she's jealous and she's got this pain in her side. Did they, or Dan, you got me saying Daniel. Dan. Ritter is like, well, what's wrong? And she's like, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Every time she talks so, about yellow, she gets a pain in her side. Yeah. So later on, Brett and Violet are sanitizing down the Ambo and Violet asks Ritter if he knows where Gallo and Kara went off to. And or Ritter's like, Violet, you do know that pain in your side is Gallo, right? And she's like, well, <laughs> now get out of here. And Brett's like, I think he might be right, Violet. Like, your body is telling you to pay attention. And she's just like, tell what? And Brett's like, your feelings for Gallo. <laughs> it's like, if you don't get stuck, like, if you don't, you might get stuck with that pain for the rest of your life. And she just still denies it. She's like, I think maybe caffeine or like, I need a new mattress. And I'm just like, <laughs> Jesus. And as this is happening, like Brett gets a text that like clearly makes her sad, but we, at this point, we don't know what it is. Although it's kind of pretty obvious. Okay. Listen, but we've so- been through so much the past few weeks with this show that like, I braced myself for the worst when her face got sad. And I was like, I was like, I swear to God, if Casey just said, this isn't working in this text message, I'm going to be so mad, but it's going to be so on brand. I was like bracing for the worst. What? You thought they were going to break up or something? I, I was bracing myself for it. Yeah, no, I didn't think that was, I think it was, uh, to me, it was kind of obvious that her trip, to, I, you don't say, oh, she's going on a trip to Portland and then like not follow through. I just, I, I, to me, it was kind of obvious. Listen, so um, much crazy shit has happened on these shows in the past couple of weeks. I'm, I'm feeling traumatized. I'm a little like traumatized where I'm just fair, kind of like, fair. yeah, I'm, yeah. Fair. Yeah. So they get back from the St. Dominic's call and Brett goes in the turnout room and Gallo finds her and they have like a very nice heart to heart. Casey has been wanting to do this wildfire training program, and it's usually a long wait list, but uh, a spot just opened up last minute. Oh, man. And it's... Yeah, it's right when I was supposed to visit, so... Uh, It turns out I will not be seeing him in seven days and six hours. I'm sorry. I hate change, but I don't know why I said change was good. It's not. It's stupid. I'm painful. This is everything up. Yeah, it does. Messes everything up. I just... I really miss him. I do too. What are you laughing about? We're in crisis. We totally are, but I was just thinking about what Casey would say if he walked in here and saw us like this. 
Oh. Well, to me, he would say, what are you doing? I'm not dead. I'm in Oregon. And you'll see me in three weeks. Things might be different, but we're still us. So get up off that bench. To me, he'd say you, you still crave the rolled up newspaper, don't you, Gal? Are you actually gonna sit here and mope about how I was your mentor? Or are you gonna get up, get back to work, and actually act like I was? I hate change really nice. too, Brett. I hate change too. This was really nice. Yeah. This was really nice. Very unexpected. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously, I think you it's obvious that the three people most affected by it are Brett. Duh, Severide and Gallo mm-hmm. by Casey leaving. And so it's nice to kind of see them, you know, talk about the fact that they're really upset. Um, I wish though, like part of me as this scene was happening was like, I get that Severide's been in, you know, dealing with the arson stuff, but like we haven't seen him deal with the change really yet, you know, with mm-hmm. Casey leaving. Cause it was just then immediately arson. Um, and I hope we get to see some of that because otherwise I just feel like that's, I know that Severide probably is someone who doesn't want to talk about his feelings, mm-hmm. but I feel like that bromance was such a big part of the show that it would be weird if we didn't have at least one scene of Severide, you know, not mm-hmm. feeling his feelings. Who's he going to um, confide in now? Stella, but aside from Stella. You would, I, I think it would, I mean, to me, it would make the most sense if it's Brett um but I don't know yeah and I I don't know his I mean his bro is gone he's got Stella but his like his BFF yeah but the, then I think too what you know the next closest thing to having his BFF is his BFF's girl you know so like yeah um but yeah, I thought this scene was really nice. And I also, too, it's kind of crazy that, like, when they're talking about, you know, a gal is like, I was just thinking about what Casey would say if he walked right into, you know, and saw us, walked in here and saw us like this. Like, I could hear Jesse saying those things in my head, especially when he said to Gallo, like, you'd still crave the rolled up newspaper, don't you, Gallo? I, <laughs> like, I could hear Jesse saying that in my yeah. head. Like, I thought that was, like, spot on of what Casey would have said. Yeah, and it's interesting. I, it's interesting to me that these two were starting to bond the same way that she and Casey bonded after Gabby left. Um, it's interesting. It's just kind of like, oh, okay, cool. But I mean, it's going to bring some of them closer, yes, but it still sucks that he's gone. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. For yeah. sure. I don't. I don't know when I'll ever. I don't. I don't think I'll ever stop feeling that way. Like it's just weird. Um, I don't know if I think it'll get less weird, maybe, mm-hmm. but I don't think it'll ever stop being completely weird. Yeah, it, it's always going to hurt. It's always going to hurt. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so we, of course, had a bunch of listeners thoughts about this. Um, 
Kimberly J said, the Galabrat scene was one of my favorites of the episode, mainly because I wasn't expecting it. Obviously, they're both missing Casey a lot, but seeing them commiserate together was really great. I kind of feel like them talking about what Casey would say to them about sulking was also a subtle reminder to the audience that things will be okay. He's not dead. He's just an organ. <laughs> it's still strange and certainly not ideal, but the fact that Casey's presence is still very much felt and discussed is oddly comforting. I mean, his name is still on his locker. Yeah. Yeah, I think to me, that was the thing that I kept thinking about, especially after rewatching it too, that like, again, we don't know when for sure Jesse will come back, like let him go enjoy his baby and, you know, Mm -hmm. let him go like live his family life. But it's very different, right? Like, I don't think they've ever, like, even when a character's died, I, I mean, and granted, it's only been two episodes, but like, I feel like they're very much harping on the fact that like Casey's in Oregon, like he's not, de- you know, he's not dead. Like he will, like he will come back. And I feel like they just keep harping on it and it mm-hmm. makes this exit feel different. Even like when Dawson left, it, it just feels so different. I'm not, I, that, and to me that feels like I'm getting lulled into a false sense of security. I'm not, I, I'm not just going to sit here and rest on that and just be like, oh, well, he's going to come back. He's definitely going to come back. Life does shit and changes happen and well, so yeah, for sure yeah for sure i just i think it makes it though feel different mm-hmm. i think the intention is that it's different i mean again things can happen and like you said life can happen and he can decide he wants to quit acting and move back to australia right like life can happen mm-hmm. but i think the intention of his exit is different than other exits like you know mm-hmm. and we talked about this before it just it feels a little different yeah. I'm not saying that he's coming back forever or that he's coming back by the end of the year. Like, I'm not saying that. Mm-hmm. I just think it feels different than other exits. Yeah. 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 Hear that. So, um, Sheer, or Sharon said, I love the fact that it was a Casey episode, even though Casey wasn't there. He made Brett, he made Brett smile all the shift with the letter and their trip plans. But the, and then when the visit was canceled, he was able to comfort her just by thinking about his reaction. He encouraged Gallo to get his act together and focus on the job because Casey wouldn't want him to wallow in self pity. And his corned beef was what made everyone come together at the end of the episode. It was Severide's first meal with Fifty One after returning from OFI. Bowden decided to stay a little longer and join them for lunch because he couldn't miss it. And the first plate was Gallo's peace offering to Pelham. As much as I miss Casey, it's great to see that his leadership still unifies the firehouse. That's a great point. I didn't even think of that. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. It's different. I don't know. Again, nobody knows what will happen in the future, but it's different. It feels different. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Um. Jess B said, as sad as I was to see Sylvie not be able to go visit Matt, I did love seeing her bond with Gallo over missing him. There were such big family vibes in that scene, and not going to lie, I love that Gallo is as much Casey's son as ever. Plus, Matt writing Sylvie letters is so unbelievably cute. Yep. 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 Was it Hanukkah last night that tweeted something about, like, oh, Gallo misses dad? Um, I don't know, was it? But I'm about to go look. I think oh. it was Hanukkah. But she, yeah, she said Gallo misses his dad. It's, it's true it's true yep let's see Hanukkah's tweets I'm just looking oh yeah Gallimus' dad we all do so sweet so sweet um and then Megan R said Violet is finally showing her feelings for Gallo looking forward to seeing how they play this Brett and Ritter teaming up on next on her next week should be interesting yeah that'll be fun that'll yes, be yes my shit i I love me some violent gallows. She doesn't know just, how to be subtle, though. She's pretty much just going to walk right up to him and, like, lay a kiss on him. I mean, she's already done that last season. 
I would pay really, really good money to see her go to the 21st and talk to Platt about it, though. <laughs> I'd pay really good money for that. Oh, my God. That would be amazing. Holy mm-hmm. shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Somebody needs to write that fic. Yep. Please. Oh, my I'm, God. I would, there, but I'm, I'm not funny. <laughs> is that is there Violet in Gallo fan fiction? Ooh, ooh. That's like a million dollar question there. To the Google. Or to AOS, really. Um, or AO3, not AOS. AO3. Yeah, AO3. <laughs> not AOS. Oh. We're, AOS. We're AOS, Grant Ward. Agents Hello. of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, Rental. I was like, what am I thinking? Yeah. Um, That's why you're thinking AOS. Okay. See, see, Brenda knows my brain. She knows how I tick. Um, yeah. Let's see. Violet. I'm just curious because I would kind of like to read some Violet and Gallo fan fiction if it's out there. Okay, so oh, oh, there is, there is, there is. Okay, wait, there's one that just popped up and it's called Like Father, Like Son. Ah! Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, wait. So um the summary, Gallo can't keep his eyes off of Violet, and two people can't help but notice. Okay. Um, the username here, it's I it, I think it's supposed to be Chicago's, but it's C H V C G O S on AO3. Um where I'm gonna I'm gonna bookmark this and I'm gonna I'm gonna send this on. Okay, so this one is inspired by a tweet from AO3 author Happy45 about Bretzy being Gallo's mom and dad. Oh, that's so cute. Okay, I'm gonna send you this link and we're gonna read it and and we will report back on our findings. We still really need to do another fan fiction episode. We really do. Maybe winter hiatus. Maybe like after Christmas. Yes. If there's a week between, like, you know, when, before the shows come back, but, like, Christmas is over. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to share this with the Pod Squad group chat as well, just because we got to share the wealth. Gallo and Violet fanfic exists. <laughs> I need it. I, I Okay. I sent you the link. We'll, we'll read it after we record. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. Any other notes on fire? Um, no, but again, it, it's getting there. Like, again, Stella needs to come back. I think it'll feel more like what we're used to mm-hmm. when Stella comes back, but I need Stella to come back. I, I really, okay. So if this was Miranda's choice that like she, she really did need a break and be gone for five episodes. Okay, cool. Fine. Great. But if they were like, we're just going to write Stella out for five episodes, like just because we need to show that she's doing girls on fire stuff. Excuse me. What were you thinking? I don't think, I don't think they, I, I, I think it was Miranda's choice, which is fine. If that's, that's what fine. she needed, then all that's fine. We're here for that. We support that all, yes. you know, all good. I think it was her choice though. I don't, I think kind of the randomness of it, like, oh, she's doing girls on fire in Boston. Like it's just, yeah. Like I think they kind of just wrote something to write something. We need her back. Episode nine. Episode nine. Episode nine. Um, yeah, yeah. So, all right. All right. It's PD time. Stretch it out. Oh boy. I don't know. I'm just going to like stretch everything because feelings. Oh my goodness. The older I get, the more I snap, crackle, pop. (laughs) Okay. There we go. Okay. Um, this was a good yet very frustrating episode. Yes. Yep. 
Um, yes. Tori's on the screen behind you, by the way. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I just, I just looked over at Brenda's shoulder and I was like, oh, it's Tori. Hey. Um, okay. So yeah. very good yet frustrating episode. I know with some of our friends, a lot of, uh, some of our friends were telling us like the, the other night, they were just like, this is the weakest one of the season so far. I'd be inclined to agree with that. Um, but it's not okay. Okay. Let's just, let's just talk. Okay. So this episode kicks off and Boyd is in a diner and he's ordering two meals, but nobody's joining him. So he ordered like two cheeseburgers and two chocolate shakes. Um, and he can't bring himself to eat the meal. So he brings them back to Platt and he's just like, find somebody to eat these, you know, do the thing. Um, at this point, I figured, because uh, the chocolate shake, I was like, maybe he's meeting his grandson for the first time in like a bajillion years. Like, I wasn't really <laughs> sure what to think about it. Now, Gina, I mean, that would be great, but like, we're not getting that ever again. So why do you even have to, I, we're never getting that again. He, he, Voight never struck me as the kind of person who would do something like that for the reason he does it for. Yeah. I think they were really trying to show off like how much Voight is supposedly like a family guy and does like, but in this episode, I think that was where they were trying to go. And like the Justin stuff hit me, Mm -hmm. but the other stuff, it kind of fell flat, but I get the, uh, I, I I think I kind of get what they were going for. Maybe I think, um, that he's pretty much lost his actual family. He's lost his entire actual family. So intelligence is all he has left, but he's pushing them away too. Yeah, that's that's pretty much the point. Oh, the movie over your shoulder, it's the one with Tori and Chad um, where she's like the violinist or something. Oh, from last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I just saw Chad. Um, that's a good movie. Anyway. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, so Platt comments and she's just like, listen, Hank, like, I can't help but notice it's kind of awkward upstairs. Like there's some tension going on with you and Jay and Haley. Just saying that you can like put me in the loop if you want. Just saying, just put it out there. And before Voight can say anything, Burgess comes downstairs and she's like, yeah, we got a case. So the Ruse Waters, they're under undercover. They're doing a buy and the rest of intelligence is waiting outside and so they get facial wreck on the guy they're dealing with. His name's Tito Sanchez. He's got a bunch of priors. He's a lovely human. Um, and they're about to make the bust, but three masked guys like storm in and shoot Sanchez and steal the drugs and flee. So basically what happens is they get ripped. Um, and thank you. Thanks to PD. I know what a rip is and can actually like identify one. Um, they, was that season two that they did one, I think? But they they basically just stormed in and robbed them of the drugs is basically what happened. I think they, I was going to say, I think they've done a couple of them now. Yeah. So they got ripped, um, which they're, they're actually kind of scary when it's not intelligence, intelligence doing said ripping. That's mm-hmm. what I learned from that scene. Um, yeah. So Upstead chases after them, but they, like the, 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 people who did the ripping and like they they run upstead runs after them and jay almost gets run over but like not today satan not today um we are not hurting jay halstead today so uh, no no and so jay goes over to the girl who witnessed it to get her statement but she's like she's snarky and that's putting it nicely putting it nicely 
Um, she refuses to give it to him and she's like grilling him. She's just like, what's your name? What's your badge number? Who's your boss? All this stuff. And Jay is not having it. Jay is so cranky pants this episode. I feel like, like, I feel bad for him, but also I see where it's coming from. But also I'm like, oh, Jay, like, do you need to hug? I was just going to say, I see where it's coming from. So like, he's so cranky this episode. So cranky. So Rosewater brings in Manny and he's the other guy from the drug bust. And they try to get him to talk about who he bragged to about the sale, but he refuses to give anything up because they're trying to find who did the ripping basically. He finally gives up four names from Los Tomitos. It's this, uh, it's a gang in Chicago. And so far it's starting to feel like it was an inside job. So Upstead goes to the chop shop where the Tahoe supposedly went after it left the apartment building. The Tahoe was the getaway vehicle. Um, Oh, also like moment of silence for the Dodge Ram because it got shot up. Was that wasn't that at the beginning? No, that's later. Oh, spoiler alert! But we will have our we will have a proper moment of silence when we get there. So, um, the getaway building had left, and so they go to the chop shop, and Jay notices that the witness from earlier pulled up outside. It's the same girl, um, but as he goes to talk to her, she speeds off. Which, like, you're like the only woman in the world that would speed away from Jay Halstead. Um, <laughs> No, I would just be like, oh, it's Jay. He saw me. Oh my God, play cool, play cool. Uh, <laughs> and then I would be like, how's your brother? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yes, you would. Yes, I you know, would. I know, I absolutely would because I'm shameless. Um, okay, wait, real quick. This is totally off topic. If you had to pick between Will or Jay as your favorite Halstead brother, who would you pick? <gasps> I hate this question. <laughs> Oh, I don't like this question at all. Um, I can't choose. I can't choose. I love them both. No, 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 no. No, they're both my favorites. <laughs> no, not how this game same, works. No, yes, it is. Because the same way, remember when we asked Marina her preference between Ruzik or Roman and she said refuse to answer? I refuse to answer. It's not how this game works. Nope, that's how it works. I'm, make, I'm remaking the rules. I can't choose. I love them both. I love both of those Halstead men how this game works but i lo- okay i love jay with Haley, and i love that he's happy with her so if i had to choose between one or the other like be my boyfriend i might choose will because i want i want jay to be happy with Haley. i'm like you found somebody who like gets you and like she's your other half and she won't burn you the way aaron did go I have a lot of Halstead feelings. Okay. You know what happened? Okay. So deleting TikTok, this is what it did to me. Deleting TikTok meant I had to find another like trash hole to go like drown my feelings in. So I rediscovered Tumblr and the past couple of days I've just been in like Chicago PD, Chicago Med, Chicago Fire, like gift rabbit holes. And I'm just like all up in the feels. Fair. Yeah. So Fair. moral of the story is I have to delete Tumblr too. Um <laughs> Because, yeah, it's just it, like Tumblr is just straight up trash, but in like the best way. In the oh, best man. way. Tumblr is a, yeah. It's a trash heap, like a dangerous trash heap. Um, and I found yeah. some other fanfics too that I was just like, I like these. I'll mark them, whatever. Um, I'm careful, like, not to spend a lot of time on there because it used to be like back in the day, like, right kind of when it was like really really popular it may still be really popular I don't know Mm -hmm. but like in the beginning like back when I was in like Glee fandom and back then Mm -hmm. I like literally that was like all I would do was like spend my life on Tumblr and I don't want to fall back down that rabbit hole oh my god I will also say that in the middle of my like rabbit hole like 
run through the trash heap of Tumblr the other day, I did come across another Iron Dad fanfic and it was like the saddest thing I've ever like seen. It was a one shot where basically like Peter gets taken by somebody who straps a bomb to him and Tony tries to disarm it, but he can't. And he like insists on staying with Peter until he dies. And then like it ends and well, Peter just- that's depressing. Isn't it though? And like the clock gets down to like two seconds and at like the one second mark, Peter just says, I'm sorry. And it ends. I was like, what the fuck? Like, this is not okay. Like, it was sad. It was really sad. I was like, that. that's not, I didn't want those Marvel feels today. That's depressing. It's so depressing. <laughs> so, so that's where my mind is. And that's why I'm all like, go be happy, Jay. I'm just going to come over here and flirt with Will. I mean, what? Who said that? <laughs> so I'm going to flirt oh, with Will God, while you so good. flirt with Crockett. Hi, I'm Gina. I'm trash. I don't know if we've met. <laughs> it's just so good. It's so good. It's, it's, it's so good, but also so bad. So bad. <laughs> like... Oh man. You're a grown ass woman, Gina. Pull yourself together. <laughs> <laughs> but also no. That's why I love you. It's fine. <laughs> you sure you still want to be in my wedding? You can say no. I mean, I know I'm fucking crazy. <laughs> no, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> so uh Voight goes home. And he just, it's the same girl from the chop shop. He finds her just chilling and waiting for him in the backyard. Who is this girl and who does she think she is? Clearly she thinks she's savvy. It's it's weird is what it is. Okay, it's weird. Because then Voight's like, what the hell are you doing? And she's just like, I'm waiting for you. Do they know each other? Nope. D- okay, so odd, weird. Who does that? And how did she find his address? I mean, clearly, now that we know, I mean, we learned that she's, like, tied into the DEA. I'm sure she has ways of figuring it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I have so many thoughts, and I just don't know how to, like, formulate them. Um, Hank pulled his gun on her way too easily, but it's Hank. What do we expect? Um, Yeah. I just, I don't know. So... She basically says, she's like, I have info on the crew you're after, but I don't want to be on paper. Like, I want to be invisible. And so she's already a CI for the DEA, but they would definitely make her testify. And so she's like, I don't want that. So here's my info, but you've got to pay up like big time. So she wants $5,000 and she gives Hank until the next day to give her an answer. She gives Hank an ultimatum. Only somebody who has never been on this show before would do that. Like, do you have a death wish? Do you have a death wish? Yeah, it's like, what do you know what show you just entered? Like, right? that you're on? Like, what are you? Mm, clearly not. Clearly not. Clearly not. So, Voight has the rest of the unit run Anna's background. Her name's Anna, by the way. And she's very connected with Los Tomatoes. And so, according to her DEA handler, her tips are solid, but she's really slippery, like, really slippery. So, she'll parcel out her intel for maximum profit. So, she basically shops around, like, hey, who wants this info? Who's going to pay me the most? And she shops yep. around. Which, like, off the bat, hi, red flags, like, that's dangerous. Really dangerous. Wasn't, like, a miscommunication between different parts of, like, the law enforcement bodies in Chicago what led to Jules' death and the pilot? Yeah. 
So like, I, I feel like Voight should know better. But it's Voight. He's like, basically, you know, she's our only hope. So we're going to use her. Which is so bass backwards and dumb because again, the rules don't apply to Hank. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Old yep. white guys just operate on another wavelength and the rules just don't apply. <sighs> okay. So Voight still decides to use her. And so she tells him that the leader of the crew, his name is Luis Cortez, and he's pissed off at the higher ups because he thinks she should be on like council of this gang. She doesn't know who else is in the crew, but she does tell him like the reason she knows this much is because she's sleeping with Luis. Okay, cool. So apparently he's got another rip later that day and intelligence goes and sits on the address and there's nothing. So she calls Boyd at the very last minute and she's like, there's a different address. This is where the rip is. So at this point, Jay is already starting to be skeptical. Jay's already like, what the fuck are we doing? Like what? And so I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, so if this is how they're going to play it, where like Jay thinks that Void is playing them, but it's really the CI who's playing Void. All right. Like sucks to be him, but cool. Okay. I can roll with this. So they go to the new spot for the rip and they see the vehicle flee the scene and they find a body. So Upstead goes after the vehicle and it ends up in like a huge, crazy shootout, which like, this is where we have to say RIP to the truck. Rest in peace to the the truck. The, the, was it the Ram? Is that it? Just like Dodge. Yeah. I will remember you. (laughs) Moment of silence. Okay. Anyway, (laughs) so two of the three offenders got away uh, and the DOA who they found, his name was Jesse Vasquez and he did time with Luis. Did you just say Jesse? Jose. Jose. (laughs) I was like, did you really just say Jesse? I did say Jesse. Um, Just, you know what? I think, I think that's a sign. Not that it matters, but like, not that it matters, but. Uh, I I think that's a sign for Bryna to take it from here. Anyway, so like Gina said, the GOA was Jose Vasquez, who we later find out did time with Luis. So clearly he was one member of the crew. We just got to figure out who the other guy is. Mm -hmm. And of course, like you said, Jay is very much on to Anna and he is questioning her motives to Voight, but he Voight's like not having any of it. If I remember correctly, there's a certain like, expectation of a ci right there's like an execution to it where like if you're gonna be a ci you've got to make sure that your tips are solid like can't send them barking up the wrong tree you've got to be reliable you've got to prove yourself as a legitimate ci and so far she's over two yeah so voight goes and confronts her and asks her again like how are you getting your the info and so she tells him that basically she's cloned louise's phone and didn't want to tell voight because obviously she knows that that's illegal and voight starts to walk away and anna's like begging him not to walk away and voight tells her he's like you know you're not the first ci in a gang i've dealt with like it doesn't give you the right to lie to me and she says you know oh so you read my file i read yours too and he's just like oh yeah how'd that go and she says you know you have the clear highest clearance rate in cpd and the streets respect you which means it means you make the cases the way you need to make them when things are worth it this is worth it i'm telling and i am what you need so and then she <sighs> explains her backstory that basically like um her brother was ordered killed like killed by Luis, and so like you know Anyway, and she ultimately convinces Voight to, like, keep using her. 
I saw a tweet last night that made me laugh really hard. And it was just like, it was this quote from this line. And he's like, you have the highest clearance rate in the PD and the streets respect you. And then somebody tweeted underneath and was like, yeah, but your unit doesn't. I was like, ha, burn. Um, <laughs> That's funny though. But also where is the lie? True. Mm-hmm. So upset wires Anna up since Voight's decided they're using her again to get Louise talking. And she and Jay have like a little confrontation here. And she's like, you don't trust me, do you? And Jay's just like, nope. That <laughs> nope like, out of should. him? Oh, so good. Yeah, so sassy. And she's like, you should. You should be grateful that I'm risking my ass to make your case. And Jay just says, you know, it matters how we make a case. Like, you get that, right? And so Anna gets out of the vehicle and goes in to see Luis and Haley's like, you're, you're a little too harsh with her. And he just says, well, it's not going to be somebody should. So he's not wrong. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. So while Anna's trying to get information out of Luis, he makes a comment about, you know, the other guy's cousin being a cop. So clearly he's starting, he's showing that like, he knows something's up and like, he's starting to get suspicious. Um, but he thinks it's this other guy. So he goes and points a gun at the other guy and Jay, because obviously they're watching it on the uh, hidden camera on her jacket. And Jay wants to move in, but Voight keeps saying, you know, she hasn't given the code yet. Like, hold hold back, hold back. And Jay doesn't listen. He goes in, he starts to go in anyway. And he's like, hey, Haley, are you coming with me? And she ends up going. Uh, but before anything really can happen, like Voight plays it off and makes it seem like it's actually they were the cops were going to the next door neighbors and yada, yada, yada. And so like Luis and Anna and the other guy like walk away. Um, but. And like the whole time this was happening, I was asking myself the question. I was like, why is Voight allowing her so much leeway? It's because he sees a lot of himself in her. Like, obviously, they're very similar individuals, but. He, he, Voight was out of line here with, with the CI, if you ask me. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. He would have never let, if this is JCI, if this is Haley CI, if this is Ruzik CI, Burge, anybody's CI, he wouldn't have let them do this. Mm-mm, no way. He would have called it quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So we're back at the bullpen and intelligence is starting to dig into everything. Like when Anna texts Voight that she has something. And of course, Jay is pissed that they're still considering using her. And so he says, he's like, you know, she's unreliable. Like every tip she's given us has almost gotten us us or her killed. Like we shouldn't be using her. But Voight still insists that they're going to keep using her. Okay. I think what this scene shows us in this specific moment is that it is time. It is time to test out Jay being in charge of the unit for a number of episodes. I'm not saying it has to be forever. I'm not saying that we switch it out immediately. I'm saying it is time to test it out where Voight goes, who knows where, and Jay has to be in charge. Jay was the only one showing any form of leadership skills in this episode at all. Yep. And it's obvious that he, whenever, whatever happens to Voight, even if it's, I mean, I hope it's something happens to Voight for this, but like, even if it's just Voight retiring, like, it's obvious Jay is next in line. Yeah. And Void is even, and again, that's the thing that kills me, is Void has even said as much. And so I think the fact that now they're, I mean, they've obviously always seen so differently, but like at one point, Void kind of respected Jay, and now it's clearly he doesn't. And I just, you know, the what changed? I think Void still respects Jay. I think Jay's lost all respect for Void. You think so? I think Voight respects him because, I mean, I think if he didn't respect him, he wouldn't have told him the absolute truth about what happened. 
you think even after that, after he got slapped and after the way that Jay, I'm not saying that Jay shouldn't have reacted this way, but like the fact that Jay is like stood up to him and all that you still think he does. You know what? I, I, I think part of it comes from the fact that he needs as many allies on his side as possible. So I think part of still respecting Jay is the fact that he needs everybody on his side. So he's probably still acting respectful of Jay because you know, he knows the alternative is that Jay could go and blab, but also he won't because then it would implicate Haley. Uh, I think Voight does still respect him though. Cause I, I think Jay would have handled that situation exactly the same. If somebody like if Camille were still alive and somebody were had the, the audacity to be like, you don't know the woman you're sleeping next to. I think Voight would have reacted the exact same way. Interesting. If so not just speaking- like shot him and put his body in the ground. Hank Voight things. So Hank. Yeah. So speaking of Haley, so after this, Haley decides to go pull Jay into one of the interrogation rooms so they can talk where no one else can hear them. You need to talk to me. Haley, I don't want to do this right now. No, we're not doing that anymore. It's not working. You're angry, Jay. I get that. You should be. But you're ignoring me. You're sniping at Voight. It's, it's the wrong way to handle this. Is that what you think? Can I not have a real argument against him? I got to back him all the time because that's what you do? No, I don't. And just because I don't back you when you're challenging him doesn't mean I'm taking his side. I make my own choices, Jay. No one controls me, not him and not you. I made my own choices that night. I showed up there. But I'm still me. You're acting like I'm not. You barely talk to me. I don't know what to do anymore. I don't know either. I am doing the best that I can with it, Haley. Right now, this is the best that I got. I had to watch the scene about 400 times. I figured this is the one you watched, like a lot but not because i liked it it hurt a lot but i'm trying to interpret it in different ways right so the the way i immediately interpreted the scene i was like okay like jay is hurt obviously as he should be i don't like that he's not talking to her and i don't like that he's giving her the silent treatment and so at the end of that scene when he's like this is the best i've got i was like my immediate reaction i was like you're making this about you. That's not helpful. And I don't like that you're giving her the silent treatment. But then I watched it like 15 more times to try and see it from a different perspective. What do you think? Okay, well, here's the thing. First of all, and this is kind of plays into the fact that like PD is very like one episode doesn't always necessarily lead into the other episode. Cause Mm. remember that throwaway line we had where they, there was that line where it was like, Oh, we stayed up all night talking, yada, yada, yada. Like we talked and talked and talked and talked. Like I wouldn't have gotten the impression because we barely have spent much time with Upstead since then Mm -hmm. that like they weren't talking. Like that was kind of surprising to me. Mm -hmm. So, like, I was kind of a little shocked by that. But I I get where you're coming from about the fact that, like, yeah, maybe Jay shouldn't have made it all about him, mm-hmm. right, in this moment. Because, like, and, like, he should be talking to Haley. But I also, I think I'm always still just going to be Team Jay on this. 
There's a and not because lot. I'm a Jayhawk stan, mm-hmm. but I just I still can't get behind. And hey, Jay's kind of doing it too now, which is kind of pissing me off. The fact that like they've kept it from everyone, and I get it. Like we don't want to see Haley go down for murder, mm-hmm. but like it still really bothers me the fact that like they haven't even come clean to Kim who is still supposedly, we haven't seen that either, supposedly living in fear of the fact that like Roy is out there and like mm-hmm. could kill her, you know, come find her and kill her at any moment. Yeah. Um. And I just, I don't, I don't know. I, I get where Jay, I'm definitely way more on Jay's side in this situation. There's a lot of nuance in this scene. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of reading between the lines here. Cause you know, yeah, he's not really talking to her, but and, and the fact that like, these are a lot of subtleties that, you know, our listeners picked up on that. I was like, oh, good stuff. I didn't see that. So she validates his feelings. She absolutely does. She's like, you absolutely should be angry. Like, I get it. You should be. I'm like definitely validating that. The other beautiful part of this is that he does not raise his voice. Not once. He keeps it level. He even like kind of whispers really because he knows her history. He knows she doesn't like yelling and slamming. He knows that, you know, she grew up with that. Right. And he is not that guy. So there's a lot of nuance in here, but the perspective that I tried to see it from, which I almost like, I I started to pick up on it and then I kind of lost it was that when she says, she's like, I'm still me, you know, you're acting like I'm not, and I don't really know what to do anymore. And he says, I don't either. Like, I thought that was coming from a place of frustration at first of just like, I don't know either. You did what you did. Like now we have to deal with it. Like, good job. That's kind of how I took it at first. But then like the, like 59th and 60th and 400th time I watched it, I was like, no, maybe it's coming from a place of like, I still love you. I'm just not sure how to reconcile this. Like when she said she was like, you know, I'm still me and you're acting like I'm not, I get that. Cause that is the kind of thing that I think would change your entire perspective on somebody. So I think he's yeah. trying to reconcile that, that I think he's trying to reconcile that this is still the woman that he loves. I think. No, for sure. But I think both of your takes, like the one you had on the first take and the one you had on the fourth hundred take, I think they're both true. Mm -hmm. Like simultaneously. I think that he probably is mad, right? Like he's clearly mad about the fact that she did what she did and like, it's kind of tainted the way that he sees her now. And like, it sucks that it did, but like, it is, it, it, there's no denying. It is clearly tainted the way that he sees her. But I still think like what you said, I still think that the, I don't know either. I think it is him trying to reconcile that like, oh shit. Well, like it may have tainted the way I see her, but this is still the woman I love and the woman I want to marry. And like, Mm -hmm. it's not going to be easy to navigate what that us moving forward looks like but I think he still wants to Mm -hmm. and that's why he says you know but I'm doing the best with it that I can and like right now this is what I got like it's not perfect but like he's it's just gonna take some time um but I'm curious and I just thought about this as I was like reading the scene since I have it written out um while you were talking too I'm curious you know how we said that obviously it clearly seems like Jay made it a little bit about him Mm -hmm. do you think that this scene like Haley kind of made it about her it is about her I mean but I don't know but I'm saying like Jay isn't solely mad about the fact that it's about Haley he is also mad about the fact that Voight is clearly fucking up this whole CI thing and that Voight is like doing bad police work Mm -hmm. and 
he she says you know like you're angry jay i get that and you should be you know yada 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 and like he then snaps back about the fact that like is that what you think that like i can't have an argument against him and you know yada yada and then she goes on about the whole thing about like just because i don't back you doesn't mean i'm taking this side yada 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 like to me i just feel like then it turned into the whole like i'm still me you're acting like i'm not yada 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 like that wasn't why jay was initially angry he was angry about Voight be you know being at this point doing terrible police work and like they don't need to be using the CI yada 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 and like Haley then kind of turned it on like well it's more than just that and it's kind of about me you're angry about me and yada you know yeah no I absolutely see that but I I think that's exactly I think she she hit the nail on the head because the only reason he's sniping at Voight the way he is is because he's still pissed off about the Roy thing you know, he's going to question him if the Roy thing doesn't happen, but not to this degree. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, the I other, I, go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, okay. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of parts of this that killed me. Cause again, I had to watch this like a bajillion times, which I never do. But when the other thing too, is when she says, she's like, I make my own decisions. Like he doesn't control me. You don't control me. I made my own decision that night. When it pans back to Jay, I think that hurts him a little bit to hear because he wants so badly to pin this entirely on Voight that when she says that, I think it stings a lot. But the truth of the matter is the only difference between Haley committing murder and Haley doing the right thing is a phone call from Hank. All Hank had to do was call the damn thing in. And all of a sudden it's not a murder. It's an officer involved shooting and it's a clean shoot. It's a clean shoot regardless. What is Haley supposed to do? Like, regardless of whether it's on the book or off the book, this guy grabs Hank's gun. What is she supposed to do? Is she not supposed to shoot him? If she doesn't shoot him and she goes and tries and like physically get involved, then she runs the risk of both of them getting shot. Yeah. The thing that kill, and I don't know if killed me is the right word, but the thing that I find really interesting too is when she says like, just because, you know, Like, just because I don't back you when you're challenging him doesn't mean I'm taking his side. I feel like we've seen time and time again, maybe not as much this season, a little bit, but even this still this season, like she is taking his side though. Like, I still feel like maybe a little different after the whole Roy situation, but I Mm -hmm. still feel like she would tend to side with Voight's form of policing more than Jay's. Even in light of the Roy stuff, we haven't really seen a lot of that this season. I don't know. I still feel like she may lean towards it, but maybe that's just her past stuff kind of creeping in, but I don't know. I guess we'll see if they ever really get the civil war that we've been talking about. But yeah, it is interesting that we did hear Haley say like, I'm still me. Right. Because the Haley in these past episodes has not been the Haley. We know like really, really dark Haley. Like we, I mean, we know that Haley kind of operates on like a shade of dark, but not usually that dark. So it makes me wonder, like she's not talking to anybody about it. So what is this own soul searching she's doing? Like, I don't know. I don't know. There's, there's a lot. I wonder though. Well, and now that you say that, you know, it's just so many things to talk about with this teen. So now that you say that, like, you wonder if she's been like, has she just been doing her own soul search and she's not talking about it. Do you think that she's convincing herself that she's still her? 
that by like I, trying to say yeah. it out loud she's yeah. like trying to like she may not be herself and like it's obviously clear that she's changed like you don't do something like that and like even if it was just a clean shoot i mean it, it was a clean shoot but like even if it was like no big deal they weren't dealing with all this guilt yada 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 um that obviously like killing someone like i'm sure changes mm-hmm. you like every time you kill you know but i like i just wonder if she's trying to convince herself that she's uh- still her and she's oh not changed. You, you know what it probably is, is it's probably exactly that because she doesn't want to face the fact that she has changed because if she does face it, she's probably worried Jay's not going to love her anymore. Yep. Oh, Haley. And that's why she says, you know, like I, you're acting like I'm not like you're barely talking to me. She's like, I don't know what to do. Like, yeah. That's fucked. I. Mm-hmm. They're going kind of Grey's Anatomy with her in that they just keep beating her up over and over and over. Like, just yeah. let's take a break from the women of Chicago PD. Let's take a break. Let's not hurt them. Let's have them safe and sound and wonderful. Um, yeah, let's just, let's just do that. But there's just like, I'm trying to, I'm like sitting in this scene right now, trying to remember if there's any other like points that we needed to discuss because like the, the beauty is between the lines in the scene. Like, all of it's like between it's yeah it's all like in the white space and so as much as this scene hurts mm -hmm. it's really good it's really a good scene do you think they're okay do i think upset's okay do you think they do you think they get through this or do you think jay calls off the engagement i don't know i don't think they're let's put it this way are they okay clearly not right like they're not Mm -hmm. communicating they're not do I think they make it? I don't know. Honestly, I think next week will, I think I kind of just need to know a little bit more about what happens. Like obviously in next week, I mean, we'll get to the rest of this episode in a second, but like we see, you know, in next week's episode, like Haley's being called in to testify or, you know, give a statement, testify. I don't know specifically what the right term is, mm-hmm. you know, where does that go from there? Like, what does she say in that meeting? Yada, yada, yada. Like, I just, I think I need to see next week's episode to kind of make a further determination. It's, it's and I lot. don't know. And I feel like the fact that I'm saying that means it may not be good. Listen, um, Jennifer earlier, one of our friends, she's one of the hosts of the Shop Talk podcast for the rookie. Um, she sent us something about, I think there was like some sort of behind the scenes picture that apparently episode nine is supposed to be the mid-season finales. Um, and all I tweeted back was like fingers crossed and just said white and cuffs, white and cuffs, white and cuffs. Okay. So I was thinking about this late last night and I wasn't going to ask it to you, but you just brought it. So I think I'm going to I'm not saying I want them to be broken up forever. But if Upstead broke up, but it meant we got what we wanted, right? Which is Voight and Cops, or at least Voight getting, like, facing consequences for his actions, whatever mm-hmm. that looks like. Would you be okay if it meant that Upstead, like, has broken up for a while? Mm. Not saying forever, but for a while. Okay. If it meant that we got to see what we wanted and have wanted for so long. I would be okay with it. Please don't come for me, listeners. I would be okay with it. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, I would be okay with it because I am sick and tired of Wait and his bullshit. I'm sick of it. And frankly, for him to carry on with his old school ways in light of everything that happened last summer is just fucking tone deaf. 
So I've, I've had it with Voight. So I'm okay with that. If, if that's the cost, if Upstead is the cost of getting a bad cop off the streets. Yeah. I said it. I called Voight a bad cop. Then that's, that's fine. It's fine. Yeah. It doesn't mean that they can never get back together or anything like that. But I think for right now, I, I would agree. And I, like I said, I was thinking about this last night and yeah. And obviously Voight would, Voight would not be in cuffs for the, the, like Roy Walton's death because obviously he's not the one who pulled the trigger, but I mean, he could certainly go down for, you know, brutality for roughing him up off the books like that. He could sure as hell go down for Justin's death and hiring a damn hitman in season three. Um, granted the statute of limitations on that is probably passed, but yeah. I've had but like I said, Voight. and I don't know if cuffs or consequences, whatever that looks like, but Voight finally getting some sort of punishment yeah. for his actions. Um, yeah. I'm I'm sick of all of it. I'm sick of justifying his stuff. I'm sick of being like, oh, he's a good guy at heart. No, your actions speak louder than your words. So yeah, your actions might be great when, like, you know, you help a CI get away from an abusive situation. That's great. But I'm not gonna forget about the fact that you stuck a guy's face on a burner when your son was missing. Yep. I'm not going to forget about that shit. I'm just, I've had it. Nine seasons of this stuff. I'm just done. I'm like, no, be gone. Shoo. And that's putting it nicely. Yeah. So going back to the episode, um, what goes and meets Anna and tells him, and she tells him that Louis set up a buy. He thinks that Los Tomitos is on to him. So he wants to sell and get out of town. So, Anna wants Voight to just like pull him over on the way to the sale since the drugs will be in the car. But Voight's like, well, I can't do that without probable cause or a reliable CI warrant. And he's just trying to convince her. He's like, you know, at some point you're going to have to trust me. So Anna agrees to go on paper and Voight's like, stay at home until after we move in on Luis. But of course she don't do that. She gets in the car with Luis and the way they end up pulling him over and ultimately arresting him is that like they watch him hit her in the car. So they pull him over and they find him and the drugs. But of course, at this point, Luis is denying that the drugs are his and it kind of seems like Anna might have planted them on him. Pretty obvious. Yeah. So Jay goes to see Voight in his office and yeah. Anna planted that dope. You and I both know it. Got any evidence of that? That dope was stepped on. It's not the same dope Louise stole from us. He was surprised it was even in his car. She planted it. The whole tip was fake. We had cause to pull them over. A reliable CI warning. The dope was dope. And it got us warrants on Luis's crash pad. But what she did is illegal. And we can't prove that one way or another, can we? Bro, the guy has three bodies on him that we know of. And now we got him. No, you're not leaving yet. You can't disobey a direct order from me. That doesn't work. I can't have you in my unit if you don't trust me. Then kick me off it. Well, why don't you go and tell the unit in the brass why? What do you want from me? What do you want? I don't trust you. 
calling Voight's bluff is like my second favorite thing from this season. My first favorite thing being when Jay punched the shit out of him. (laughs) Yeah, that'll never get old. That'll never get old. Yeah. But yeah, no, I kind of, I mean, we all, the, listen, the promo from last week, they only aired the point where it says, you know, um, like just kick me off of it like that part of the scene and mm-hmm. everyone was like oh my god is jesse leaving the show? no jesse's not leaving the show that was clearly a misdirect mm-hmm. um but i love the last part of that line it says you know but then why don't you tell the unit in the brass why so good so good this also made me ask a couple more questions too because like hearing jay say that how he's like i don't trust you i mean his boss is a liability it's quite clear I feel like in normal situations in corporate America, if you realize that your boss is unhinged and like a giant liability and could put you and your team in danger, you're probably going to look for another job, right? Yeah. So my question is, does Jay stay solely because of Haley or does Jay stay for the whole unit? I think, I think it can be both. I think he stays for the unit and Haley. Like, I think you can, you know, like, he stays for the unit because obviously he loves everyone in there. He mm-hmm. doesn't want to see them be all corrupted by Voight. Mm-hmm. But then more specifically, the Haley of it all, too. Yeah, and the other thing that I thought was pretty interesting, I feel like in past seasons, you know, Jay has always been by the book and by the rules, but he's always allowed for a little bit of gray area where, like, he's like, okay, Voight did something fucked up, but in this situation, he got the bad guy. I get it. He has completely shifted over. So now there is absolutely, there's absolutely no gray space, right? It's black or white. It's either you do it by the book, you don't do it at all. And I was thinking about this and I was like, I wonder if the Marcus West case was the shift for him that he saw what happens when you go rogue and he just vowed to himself, he would never do that again. So now it's, you go by the rules or you don't do it at all. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, And I think it's also too, just the years I'm sure that's part of it, but I'm sure it's also just the years working under Voight mm-hmm. and seeing Voight get away with shit time and time again and seeing Voight go about things the wrong way. Because um, even from the beginning, like even in like season one, Jay was the only one to be like, I don't know about this guy. It's like, I don't know about this guy. Do I really want to work with him? So like even way before Marcus West. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's just probably the years and years of seeing Voight get away with stuff and like Voight doing shitty things. And I think it's just probably all come to head too. I mean, I hope so. It's about damn time somebody puts Voight in this place. I'm just, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I know I keep saying it, but I'm, I'm just sick of him getting away with shit. I'm sick of it. Yeah. So we end on an ep- end the episode on this scene with Anna and Voight. And basically Voight gets her to admit that, you know, she planted the drugs on Louise and, you know, then it kind of ends up you know, with her admitting that, like, she's got a hit list, like, she wants to keep kind of, you know, doing this to all the people who've ever wronged her, and Voight tries to convince her that, like, this is the wrong way to do it, but she's just like, you know, then help me, like, wash my back, and Voight kind of seems to be going along with this right now, and then it ends with them talking about their kids, and but Voight doesn't tell her that his kid is dead, he just says, like, she's like, you don't see him anymore, and he's just like, no. And then we realized that like the opening scene was because it was Justin's birthday two days ago. And like, that was something they used to do when Justin was a little kid. So yeah. 
I mean, that, okay. Yeah. That the, anytime you bring up Justin, it's going to pull up my heartstrings. Um, a dagger to the heart. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. That that's absolutely heartbreaking that he does that every year on Justin's birthday. He goes and gets two cheeseburgers and two shakes and, you know, doesn't eat them. Doesn't eat them. That's heartbreaking. Doesn't yeah. take away from all the shady shit that he does. Well, and here's the thing that kind of something I was thinking about after I watched the scene, because I watched the scene like a couple of times this mm-hmm. afternoon. The thing that honestly blows my mind is what is it about her that Boyd wants to keep helping? Right. Cause she says, you know, like when he says that, like, you're taking too many risks, like you'll die doing it this way. And she's like, well, then help me like watch my back. He doesn't say he's not going to do it. He just says, well, then like, you'll never plan evidence again. You'll never lie to me. And, and like, you know, so like, he's going to help her. Yeah. And that's the reason he's going to help her is because they're very similar. They both operate off the books. Um, they both will do anything it takes to solve a case. And, you know, I think they're definitely going to bond over the fact that, you know, Voight had a son. She has a son. Yeah. I don't know. I guess that means we're going to see her again. And I'm just. eh. Yeah, she's going to recur throughout the season. I just, I, I, it's, it's very similar to the dynamic we had last week between Patty and Oscar Shavira, how like they fed off of each other. These two characters are so similar that they're just going to it's like not oil and water, but it's like gas to a fire. They're just going to like egg each other on and it's just going to keep going and going and going. Mm. So I don't know. She's a great actress. Um, she actually was on, uh, I, I read something about her today that said she was in the iCarly reboot. She was? Yeah, she was in an episode of The Rookie too. Who's the actress? Oh, I think it starts with a C. I want to say it's Carmella. And then her last name starts with a Z. Um, oh, Carmela Zumbado. Bingo. Oh my God, she was in the iCarly reboot. <laughs> I would have never have guessed that was her. Yeah, she was in the iCarly reboot, and then I, she was in a, an episode of The Rookie, but I don't know what episode that was. Three oh five. Oh, so it like says it right here on Wikipedia. Okay, yeah, so she was year. recently. Yeah, she's a good actress. Yeah, she's a really good actress. Yeah. Yeah. Um, of course she, she had. Yeah, no, go, go ahead. ahead. I was gonna say, if she's annoying the crap out of us, it means that she's doing her job very well. So yes. Yeah. Again, nothing against her. Just Mm-mm. Anna. Boo. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, so of course we had listener thoughts on this, obviously. Um, Sandra G said, I love how the season is going. I love the upset scene and to see Jay struggle with this too. Jealous acting is again on point. So much more was said than just the words, like you kind of said. Um, you can see his internal conflict, Roy's death and Haley being involved, his feelings towards her, why she asked him to marry him, all this and his own personal and professional values. I think he feels like in a way he really doesn't know her. Shocked and surprised that she was there with Voight. And when she said it, it was her own choice to be there that night with white whoa mm-hmm. yep yep uh kimberly j said this case was all over the place for me that i didn't know what was happening most of the time that's us every week it's okay um my key takeaway was jay is pissed i know this is the pd way but it's really frustrating that we just have to fill in the gaps of the personal storylines on our own it is uh were we supposed to know that jay is not really talking to Haley? a random comment about them talking all night doesn't just lead us to that if the writers are going to explore the ramifications of what happened last season, which basically impacted everyone, they can't just keep focusing on one character each episode. It feels very much like it needs to be a collective story involving everyone together. 
Fair. No. Um, Jessica S said, is the Kim PTS storyline just not happening? We have seen nothing for five episodes. No hesitation, no flinch, no are you all right? Or how's Kim from any of them? And she was shot at again last night. And we got no follow-up. I get that this show is horrible with continuing storylines, but they managed to squeeze in stuff about Upton or Upstead's situation in just about every episode. But we can't do that for Kim. The only reason fans even think Kim is struggling is because of interviews. Casual viewers would have no idea what was even happening. And if she is really having a hard time, Adam would know... And then we would see him be more protective, but we aren't getting that either. It just seems really weird and rude to viewers to ignore it for five episodes and then bring it up later and act like it's this big thing. Even if Kim knew that Roy was dead, we would still see her hesitating some, especially after all she's been through. I just find it disrespectful to the characters that they have ignored Kim's storyline and have made it all about Upton. This is still an ensemble cast, right? That's a great point. That's a great point. But in all of this, we're forgetting that Kim is the one who was most affected. Yeah, and I think it's interesting, too, that, like, they they kind of have, like, even when it's, like, a Ruzik episode or the Atwater episode, like, we still get, like, an upset scene or, like, the upset throwaway line or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, like, when it comes to anyone else's storyline, we don't get that. Right. 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 So. It, it is still an ensemble cast. I mean... But yeah, no, I mean, that's a great point. So Allison S said, I think family is always at the core of what Hank does, right or wrong. He said from day one, tell me the truth so that I can lie for you. I think, I think Hank handled this case correctly and Jay needed to stand down. I don't think Haley completely agreed and was reluctant to get out of the van. I think she did it so her partner wasn't going in alone. She's never not going, she, she's never going to let Jay go in alone. Um, yeah. But I think Voight was hella reckless on this case. Yeah, I do too. Um, and then lastly, we have Haley G. She said, if those three aren't going to tell Kim, then tell at least tell Adam so he can tell Kim. He literally sits right behind Upset anyway. Make him do it if none of the, her other friends plan to. Interesting choice, putting friends in quotations. I, I'm, I'm ready for Kim to find out. Like, it's, it's about Kim needs to find out. I think if you tell Kim, you tell Adam at the same time. And if you're going to, if that's the case, then Kevin's got to know too. They've just got to sit the other three down and say, listen, here's, here's the deal. Here's here's what what I'm saying. I think, but like, it's time. Like they, they need to know. Mm -hmm. It is time. It is time. That's probably what the mid season's for. Probably. And next week leading up to it. Yeah. Yeah. I had like a total headcanon of like what I want that scene to look like when they tell Kim and like, I could totally see it where, you know, like Haley's like, dude, it's over. Ray's dead. He's gone. And like all five of them are there and she just like breaks down in tears and they all like group hug. That's the happy PD scene I want. Damn it. I was gonna say, it's not going to go that way. I just want a happy PD scene. Just one. Can they go back to roasting each other? Like they used to, that was fun. (laughs) Yeah. 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 What does it say about one Chicago Wednesday when med is the one you're like not stressed for? Med, you're just like, cool, I- let's do it. What does that mean? 
Well, and it's so funny, too, because I feel like we've switched, right? Like, not saying that I don't look forward to Fire PD, right? But it's a different emotional level right now with Fire yeah. PD, so I'm not looking to forward to it as much as I usually am. But Med, every week, I'm like, yeah, let's go! Like, this week, I was like, oh, man, Ethan's coming back. This is great. Like, yeah, we have Crockett and Avery. This is Dylan's amazing. Like, I'm like, yeah, Med! It's yeah. gone from, like, Fire Fire was usually our safe show, right? We always knew we were going to laugh with fire we always knew we were gonna enjoy it it was nice to sit back we've shifted now and med is our safe show like med is our safe med med is our safe show it's our safe show it's it's not gonna hurt us it's not gonna stress us it you know it's 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 not going to well it is gonna emotionally traumatize us somehow but like not as badly not as badly not anymore not anymore med is our safe place now knock on wood knock on wood yes all Watch the somebody in that writer's room is listening and they're like, huh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, go easy on us. Yeah. Any other notes on this week? Decent week overall. Yeah. I, I think it's a lot of like ramping up to these last two episodes before the mids, you know, like we have eight and nine, even though there's like that little break in between. We've got like two more for 2021. And so I think we're kind of ramping up to that these last two and i'm you know excited for all three shows to see kind of where they go these mid-season finales like go hard but don't go too hard we just yeah don't go too hard we are emotionally spent okay emotionally spent like the grief we feel over casey has spread to our emotions for all three shows so go easy on us please please like you got your Casey grief and you're trying to balance it with your void rage. And you're also just like, I've only got, and then there's med and then there's med. Med Med is like, med is just like the one with its arms open. Now med is like, come, come. It's okay. It's okay. Um, so it's just a lot of emotion (laughs) for, for one person to take. So go easy on us, please. Mm -hmm. Manifesting. Nobody gets shot. Nobody's life is in peril. Nobody's like dangling off the side of a building. And if they are, there's like a mat underneath them. Just like manifesting. Yeah, give, it, give me an emotional cliffhanger. I don't yeah. want anybody's like, I don't want to have to worry about them physically. And emotional, yeah. Not. An emotional cliffhanger is totally fine because then, you know, both feet are on the ground. Like they're not getting shot they're at. Alive. They're, just, yeah. they're just outside mollies. They're totally fine. It's just an emotional cliffhanger. Totally fine. Yeah. Totally fine. Just been a hard couple weeks shy hards that's all anyway you know where to find us facebook instagram twitter tumblr meet us at molly's right across the board um i know i was i was gonna reblog something on our tumblr the other day i don't remember what it was but the moral of the story is i need to get off of tumblr because it's a trash heap and i mean that in a good way um yeah so meet us at molly's right across the board email us anytime about anything seriously Seriously, meet us at mollies at gmail.com. You know, we're always watching other stuff. I just started Mythic Quest. I love it. It's hilarious. What are you watching right now? What am I watching right now? Oh, I'm like very all in on the big leap. Like really? Very, 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 very in on the big leap. That's like my like show I look forward to. Yeah. I may have to pull a timeless with that one and see if it gets renewed. Don't hate me. Oh, it's so good though yeah yeah it's so so good i don't know what i'm gonna watch after i watch mythic quest 
I really don't. There's a bunch of stuff. You um, know what? I got the randomly the urge because I saw on the news they were talking about like the um like QAnon rally that they're trying to have in Dallas about Kennedy, yada, yada whatever they're doing. Anyway, it, happened. it just got me. It happened. Yeah. Anyway, it was, was like the other day. And I was like, mm-hmm. you know what? Like, and then it got me thinking about the limited series, the 112263. Yes. And I was like, I kind of want to watch that. So I think that's what I'm going to watch. You absolutely should. You absolutely should. So when that show filmed, I was working a block yeah, away. Yeah, I know. You're working downtown. I know. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. And I nerded out so hard. I read the book. Um, we went and like checked out filming. I saw Franco across the street, nerded the fuck out. Um, I was standing there with my two friends and I was like this is what I want to do with my life and they were like you're a lawyer Gina pull it together and I was like that's fair that's fair um, yeah I just it, it just reminded me I was like oh yeah that is this month and then I was like like the anniversary and I was like oh yeah that is this month and I was like you know what I've never watched this like I kind of want to watch it you so. absolutely should it is so good it is so good oh my god please yeah. do and then like report back to me with all of your findings also you know who's in it is Commander Fisher um from like the early seasons of PD Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you absolutely should. It's so good. I loved it. I loved the book. I loved the show. It was fantastic. Yes, highly yeah. recommend it. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's your uh, unexpected TV roundup. But uh, yeah, so email us anytime about anything. Um, if you like the show, which we really hope you do, could you please leave us a rating and review on iTunes? We would so greatly appreciate that. Please, please, please. Um, also, yeah, follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV, Brenna. I am at Brenna K13. Same schedule as always. As long as there's new episodes of the shows, there are new episodes of the pod. So, yep. Yep. So in the meantime, everybody have a good weekend. Um, take down your Halloween decorations. If you have them up, <laughs> watch some Hallmark Christmas movies, um, read some fanfic. And if you do read it, tell us what you read. Cause like we need recommendations and yeah, everybody have a good weekend and we'll see you next week. Bye.